Guardians. Everything you love shall be destroyed. Screw you, you stretch face, Robocop looking. Purple Nurple, peace up. You don't know. You think? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Ready PG 13. Tickets on sale now. Episode 462. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good at toss it, good at taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. WandaVision. Hello, this is Randall Park, and you are listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Joe. And and we're we're the the Leftovers. Leftovers. And yes, we are here today to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. This is a long time coming. This movie was supposed to come out. Joe, I feel like this movie was supposed to come out a year or two ago. But with yeah, the, it feels like we've just been hearing about it forever. Yeah, but with uh, I know it's supposed to come out before uh, Quantum Mania, um, and uh, well, I mean, a lot of things have changed. A lot of things have changed. You know, uh, originally uh, with uh, James Gunn's original script for Guardians Three, Gamora was not going to die in Endgame. Uh, that's something that he had to work with in this movie. There's so many things. That have changed over the course of the last few years uh, with James Gunn getting fired, then getting rehired. So uh, it's been a long time coming. I'm happy that James Gunn was able to complete the trilogy. We're here today to talk about it, break it down, rate it. And we have a roundtable of guests this week, and I want to introduce them one at a time. We've got Tristan Brown. Welcome, Tristan. Hey, happy to be here. We've also got uh, Handy Greg from Amazing Home Projects with Handy Greg on YouTube. Thanks for having me. Uh, we have uh, Kay Hottie. Welcome, Kay. Well, thank you for having me back. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. Happy to have you here. And uh, finally, Leftover Jake is back to talk Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Welcome, Jake. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk about this. Yeah, how did it feel? You know, I, I bring you into the episode as opposed to the top of the episode. How'd that feel, huh? I liked it. It felt good. It was nice to have a little bit longer with my mute button than I normally get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to be diving into the movie, breaking it down. But first, I got to go over some new contests. I got these got to get in under the wire. So I can't I can't talk about these contests next week. I got to talk about it this week. Um, I've got uh, we've we gave away digital copies for 80 for Brady. Now I've got uh, five physical copies for 80 for Brady 
on Blu-ray that we're going to be giving away. Bring home 80 for Brady on Blu-ray today. Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Marino, and Sally Field star as four best friends who go on an unforgettable journey to see their hero, Tom Brady, play in Super Bowl 51 in this hilarious comedy about living life to the fullest. No matter your age, it's directed by Kyle Marvin. Buy 80 for Brady on Blu-ray and get laugh out loud bonus content. It's rated PG-13. It's from Paramount Pictures. I've got five physical Blu-ray copies that I'm going to be sending to uh, five winners. All you have to do is I'm going to be sending out an 80 for Brady Facebook post and an 80 for Brady tweet on Twitter. All you have to do is share it or uh, share it on Facebook or retweet it on Twitter and then screenshot that you did. Send it to me at contest at popcultureleftovers.com with the title 80 for Brady and you'll be entered in to win one of five physical copies. I also have, not only do we have 80 for Brady, but we also have another movie. I saw this one. I saw this movie uh, was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. Uh, Get Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves on digital today. I've got five digital copies of Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez star in this hilarious and action-packed adventure where a band of unlikely heroes must undertake an epic heist to retrieve a lost relic. Buy or rent Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves on digital today. It's rated PG-13 from Paramount Pictures. Same rules apply here, guys. I'm going to be setting out a Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves Facebook post and tweet, just screenshot that you retweeted it or shared it on Facebook. Send it to me, contest at popcultureleftovers.com. And uh, yeah, title it, please title it Dungeons and Dragons. And then next week, we'll go over the five winners of the digital copies for Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Has anybody else seen that movie or am I the only one? I have not seen it. I've seen it. What what'd you think, Kay? It was really good fun. Yeah. It was really good fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was from the uh, Game Night directors, uh, Jonathan Goldstein and uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, the kid from Freaks and Geeks. Love him. Can't think of his name right now. Moving on. Fantastic movie. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. So enter those contests, 80 for Brady. From this point on, we are going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And we could have spoilers. And this is your official spoiler warning. This is a Pop Culture Leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned. Spoiler pussies. And the other director for Dungeons and Dragons Honor Monk Thieves is John Francis Daly. And no, I did not Google it. Anyway, uh, let's jump into the synopsis for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Peter Quill, still reeling from the loss of Gamora, must rally his team around him to defend the universe along with protecting one of their own. It's written and directed by James Gunn. And, uh, Let's see here. We've got a star-studded cast. I'm having problems with my computer right now. I'm telling you. Right. Uh, stars Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Karen Gillan, Palm Clemente, Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper, Sean Gunn, Chuck Woody Awuji, Will Poulter, Elizabeth Debicki, Maria Bakalova, and Sylvester Stallone. Uh, a bunch of... Uh, Returning cameos for this one. We got some new characters in this one. 
Um, Linda Cardellini comes back. She voices and provides motion capture for uh, Lila the Otter in this one. She's worked with James Gunn multiple times. I know she was Velma in the Scooby-Doo movie that he wrote. Um, trying to think. She's she's worked with him before. Um, uh, we've got uh, Nathan Fillion appears in this movie as Master Karja. Uh, he's uh, like the head chief of Orgo Cor- Corp Security. Uh, Daniela Melchior, uh, she plays Ura. And uh, she was Ratcatcher 2 in the Suicide Squad. Um, of course, uh, we are talking spoilers. Of course, we do get like a Yondu, Michael Rooker cameo in this movie. Uh, Michael Rooker and Nathan Fillion have worked with James Gunn in every project that he's ever worked on in one way or the other. And so they come back here. And uh, James Gunn's own wife appears in the movie as Administrator Quall, a security employee at Orgo, Orgo Corp. Uh, I know that uh, Tara Strong took over the role that Miley Cyrus had as main as mainframe in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. So Tara Strong, who voices uh, Miss Minutes and Loki, took on the role for this one. Um, Was it uh, Judy Greer played uh, War Pig? I mean, this has just got an insane cast here. Um, Oh, Seth Green comes back as uh, Howard the Duck. I was not expecting to see Howard the Duck in this movie. Um, oh, uh, Pete Davidson cameo as cameos as the voices of Griddlemop and Flectic. Those were two creations of the High Evolutionary. I, I couldn't even tell you who those were. <laughs> That's what I was just going to ask if you knew who they were. No idea, man. No idea. <laughs> All right. I saw. And he has the the return of the broker as well. Yeah. A brief moment. Yeah. The broker comes back um, from that was from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. That's the guy who had uh, that he was going to try to get the orb to, if I'm correct. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three has a runtime of 150 minutes and an estimated budget of 250 million dollars. And Jake, you had something to say, too. I forgot. Oh, I, I was going to say I saw a picture of the character that Pete Davidson plays, and I've seen the movie twice and still did not recognize the character, even upon seeing the picture. But he voices the character? Did he say anything? Do I think remember? it's like noise. Okay. Huh. Like snarling noises or something. I, I don't think there's an actual speaking line. Huh. Well, he voices two characters, so he might have said something as the other one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's uh, let's we're going to rate this movie, each one of us. And if this is your first time listening, this is our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Joe, I'm going to start with you, man. What did you think about, uh, you know, give, give me your thoughts on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and your rating. Yeah, I, I've been looking forward to this one. The, the first two Guardians movies are really near and dear uh, to me. They're, they're some favorites among my family. So they're some of those MCU movies that just have been played over and over and over in my house. And... We went as a whole family to go see this, which is pretty special because it's hard for me to get my wife to actually go to a movie theater. It's not her favorite experience, but uh, we all went as a family and it was a packed room and it was probably the most responsive crowd I've ever seen in the the Cedar Rapids theater that I that I go to. It tends to be a lot more reserved crowds there, 
But man, the the humor and everything was just on point in this movie, and the crowd was really responding to it, and it really just elevated the experience for me. It was, um, it was it was fantastic. I think from beginning to end, this movie really impressed me on on really every level. Um, the, uh, I mean, there was something in every single act that like teared me up. I felt like I was in tears throughout so much of this movie and the way that he structured the plot in this was really smart too. It's like a series of flashbacks telling rockets origin story while at the same time progressing the plot of the movie in current day. And it just played really well doing it like that. I felt like it was paced really well, uh, as, as with the previous guardians movies, the soundtrack in this was great. Lots of music in this that I really liked. Uh, I got the playlist saved, and so it's something I'm going to have to go through to see where it'll finally end up ranking for me. Uh, but with the inclusion of of Quill's uh, Zune player in this, we do get more modern music in this, which I think was used to pretty good effect. I liked the new characters. I liked finding out more of the backstory on the Sovereign. I thought that uh, the uh, the high evolutionary in this was just chilling. Is is Marvel's been doing this thing for a long time where they keep giving us sympathetic villains and they didn't really do it so much in this one. I, I think if anybody is sympathizing with the high evolutionary, I would question how, how where they rank on the sociopath scale, because uh, he's definitely a guy where he feels like his ends um, or his means justify the end or the ends of justifying his means. And man, you watch this movie and he just seems to be among one of the most evil and sadistic villains that we've gotten yet in the MCU and just brilliantly uh, portrayed by is it Chuck Woody, uh, a Wooji. Yeah, I think I, I probably slaughtered his name there, but uh, brilliant. I loved him in suicide squad also, or not suicide squad, but peacemaker. And um, I, I love the, he was able to pick this up. It picks up right after the holiday special. And so there's a little bit of stuff in there that if you didn't watch the holiday special, you're missing out and you might be confused. Like, wait a minute, Mantis is Quill's sister now. Uh, but they, they did do a good job of like pointing it out <laughs> at least a few times right away in the first act. Uh, but the, the humor in this was on point. The first F bomb we ever got in an MCU movie, like actually not like self censored or censored through editing or whatever, but they just let it fly. And uh, I had read that that was a ad lib uh, done by. Um, yeah, I actually have the audio from. clip from. Uh, OK, yeah, I'm, I'm totally Pratt. blanking on his voice now, or his name right now for some reason. Chris Pratt. Chris, Chris Pratt, Pratt ad libbed that line, which I thought was fucking brilliant. It got a huge laugh in, in with my crowd. Um, so, yeah, the humor on this was on point. It had so much heart and like, man, the action. In this was so fucking good. Beginning to end, it had so many good action set pieces the hallway fight scene in the third act was fucking incredible um the the teases we get of what's to come in the future i know we'll get into the the credit scenes later in greater detail but i was very excited especially with that first one uh this is this is to me this was the best mcu movie that we've gotten since endgame like i it's really really hit for me over shang chi Uh, see shang chi is I think I might like this better than Shang-Chi, man. Like, but I love Shang-Chi. I love Shang-Chi. I love No Way Home. And to me, I think that this is actually better than anything we got in phase four. Um, but it could be the fact that I love those first two movies so much and all the heart in this movie, like really fucking worked for me, uh, especially the way that it wrapped up in the end. I, I didn't see the ending on in this, the way that he ended it. Like I thought it was going to be, 
way more tragic. And instead, he, he landed it really, really gently. And I thought it was just an absolutely beautiful conclusion to these stories. And there's been so much personal growth among all these characters throughout these three movies, the three main ones. And then, you know, what we got in Infinity War, they're they're popping up and other stuff that, that wasn't exactly by James Gunn. But man, with the core movies, like it was beautiful. So for me, this is a Tupperware. All three of the Guardians movies are Tupperwares. Um yeah, like as soon as we were done recording, like I would be open to just jumping in my car and going to the theater and watching it again. Because, I mean, wow, I've only got to see it once so far, but I need to catch this in the theater at least a couple more times before it leaves. Uh, but this was fucking rad. I loved this movie. So Tupperware? Absolute Tupperware. Yeah, uh, I'll rate it next. I've, I've had, I have had a lot of time to sit and think about this one. I got to see it at a critic screening last month on the 27th, so... Uh, and it was awesome. I got to see it in IMAX and then I've, uh, watched it again. I saw it in IMAX 3D. Uh, one of the main reasons I wanted to see it in IMAX 3D is because it looked so gorgeous. Like, uh, uh, all the cosmic stuff that James Gunn does, uh, in, in this movie, it really put what they did in Quantum Mania to shame, in my opinion. Like, Looking at the Orgo Corp headquarters, like that floating, you know, biological living <laughs> planet that it's almost like a planet, uh, kind of looked like a fleshy unicron. It just looked amazing. And, and, and it, the movie is gorgeous. And I, I had to see it in 3D and I thought it looked fantastic in 3D, especially, uh, the hallway scene, which we'll, we'll be talking about, I'm sure, uh, in depth, but, um, um, I've had a lot of time to think about this one. It, uh, Joe, I, I, you know, when you say, you know, it, it, you think it's better than Shang-Chi, I, I, I would happen to agree with you. Like collectively, we've spent more time with the Guardians. And I think like what puts this over the top for me is like, and I'm not saying Shang-Chi didn't have heart. There was definitely like the, you know, father-son relationship that had a lot of heart, especially at the end. It, you know, kind of pulled on your heartstrings. But I think overall this one, I've, we've spent a lot more time with the Guardians, you know, crossing over like five, six movies now that they've been involved in. And uh, the whole rocket side of it, which they've been, you know, hinting at Rocket's origin in past movies. The first time when he took off the, you know, guard, the his uniform, his original uniform, and you see like all the metal cybernetics on his back, and and uh, then he gets drunk and you know starts talking about how he was taken apart and put back together, and all these things that they've emotionally had us invested with that character, and then to finally see it all put onto screen and to see like, you know. You know, him yelling at Drax in the one movie about like how he lost. He's like, he's like, oh, you've lost your wife and your daughter. Boo hoo. We've all lost people. And it's like, these are all things like James Gunn is like put into his memory bank. And he's like, this is everything. I'm going to show you everything. I'm going to show you who Rocket lost. And like, that's, I mean, it, the emotional side of this and not being able to spend so much time with Lila, Teefs and Floor, but feeling like you really understood the friendship between them. Like, what they had gone through. Like there's nobody that can understand what rocket went through, but those other three and he lost them all. So he's lost a lot. Everybody's lost somebody. Um, the way James Gunn has been talking about how like rocket is, is him. And it's like, I think James Gunn at one time, I don't know if he views himself. Like, I think he's just like the way the the guardians are, the way rocket is, they're all broken. And throughout this movie, they find like a new family and, and, and slowly start to work on things and fix things within their own lives. And I just think it's, it's been an incredible trilogy 
showing like the evolution of each character. Um, but, um, absolutely loved Nebula in this movie. I was not the biggest Nebula like fan in the first Guardians movie. And then Karen Gillan has just like really turned it on for me, like these last few movies. I mean, she is just killing this role. I loved her new nanotech arm upgrade. It is the coolest fucking oh, sick. thing ever from it turning into like a fucking like sword like you'd see Gamora use to it's got like that arm cannon um, to like even just down to the simple things like lights and things on it. But that arm was so incredible. And uh, James Gunn did confirm that uh, Rocket made this for her to thank her for getting Bucky's arm back in the holiday special. Um, Joe, this was also in my notes. You touched on it. A non-sympathetic villain in the high evolutionary. Like that. I'm not saying it's been a problem, but it's just been it's been a form. It's been formulaic. And I feel like they just like, oh, it works. We're just going to keep using it. And I was like, when are we just going to get a villain that's bad to be bad? And we, yes, we got a guy here who's just evil. He's got a God complex, man. He's just evil. I mean, I felt no sympathy for the guy at all. Uh, even going back, I felt no sympathy for ego in the previous film and, and even Ronan, the accuser, you can talk about he's doing it for his people, but I never really felt sympathy for his side of the Cree throughout that first movie. And I think James Gunn can really draws you into his like personal characters and you following their journey that you don't always need the sympathetic layered villain. And he goes on to prove it here. And it, I think it was fucking brilliant. Um, I did, I did upon first viewing, I'm not saying I'm a hundred percent happy with it, but I did have problems with, uh, Adam Warlock. I felt like, um, you know, here's the thing. What do you, how do you bring the character in though? When he wasn't involved in the Infinity Saga. I mean, really. Yeah. How, I mean, other than a bit of his look, they dissected that character and parsed out the pieces to other characters. Yeah, 100%. The vision. Um, I mean, they they have – there's really nothing that they could do. If you're going to bring him in, I guess – you know, and they explain why they do what they did. You know, he's uh they took him out of the cocoon early. He's he's childlike. And so uh, we're going to see the evolution of that character as these movies go on. Um, leaving the first viewing, I was like, what a total waste of the character. And then it was just like I, I just came to the realization, like, what else are they going to do? There's nothing else they could have done everything else that the character is really known for they've already kind of breezed not breezed through it but they already went through everything with the infinity saga um Uh, all the interactions that he has with blurp his little furry friend that he picks up along the way were golden to me though i mean it was um but uh overall i uh i i absolutely love the movie Uh, i think it had um the best comedy that we've seen in a Marvel movie in a long time. Uh, Quantum Mania did not have many like moments of me, like, you know, belly laughing at all. Like it was just not that funny of a movie to me. Uh, I never really got emotionally invested into that movie as well. Um, and for all of like the, um, you know, uh, people that, you know, loved 
Kang in that movie, I think Chuck Woody Awuji killed this role better than Jonathan Majors uh, has as Kang. And honestly, if they don't get Jonathan Majors to come back and play Kang, I would love to see Chuck Woody Awuji be uh, the guy that gets the role. We find out that he's just a variant of Kang. Um, but uh, overall, I love this movie. I'm going to give it a uh, I'll give it a Tupperware. I thought it was fantastic. So let's move on to Tristan. Tristan, what did you think about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Yeah, so I saw it twice, um, and it took me, um, you know, a lot of del- deliberation to kind of figure out what my rating was going to be. Um, it's definitely, in my opinion, Marvel's best trilogy, and it feels like a trilogy in that it has an arc and it closes properly. I, I think if you look at Captain America, that's a great set of three movies, but they're not very cohesive. Um, if you look at Thor, I mean, that's not even something we even need to mention. I mean, this is just really one of the best trilogies that Marvel's had. And I feel that this is a movie that's really bolstered by the previous movies. I think that's where my um, conflict on the rating came from, because it's not a perfect movie. And I had some issues with it. But you just mentioned, Brian, like a lot of those callbacks to some of the stuff in the first movie makes this movie even better. Um, A lot of the callbacks to just certain things that were referenced in earlier films and kind of concluded here just really makes this movie um, a Tupperware for me because the family and just their story and and everything that they go through and the developments and how it all concludes just makes a very satisfying story altogether. And so, yeah, I did end up Tupperware in the movie in the end because I I was just leaning between a very, very high-tasted or a very low Tupperware and just the fact that me revisiting the other movies and seeing how everything connects and how it all just kind of wraps together really ended up making this a tough war for me. Um, James Gunn, I think shows why he's one of the best comic book filmmakers that we've had. Um, I mean, he's just really just hitting them out the park when you consider peacemaker and and suicide squad as well. Um, He understands how important it is to counter humor with equally compelling emotional moments um, it's a funny movie, but it's it's more of an emotional journey more than anything. Um, it's character more than anything. Um, he does a great job giving each of the members their time to shine. Um, I think he solidified Rocket as being a top-tier MCU character, for me at least. Um, I'm glad that he didn't just give us the storybook cliche ending of Peter falling back in love with Gamora. Like, I'm really glad that he didn't use that, you know, as an ending. Um he showed Drax being more than just a dumb guy with the jokes. Um, Drax and Mantis dynamic from the holiday special carried over through this movie. Um, Nebula was given a lot more. She's gotten increasingly better each film, you know, ever since the infinity saga to where she's just a really great overall dynamic character. Um, the F bomb in my opinion was perfect. I laughed both times. I'll probably continue to laugh. Um, the soundtrack, I don't think it was the best soundtrack out of all, all three movies, but it, it definitely worked and it fit. Um, I feel like about 15 minutes could have been shaved off. And I also had some issues with Adam Warlock. I felt that he wasn't necessarily needed to be introduced in this film. Um, it's a story that didn't need him, but I, I get it was a bit of setup and he was alluded to in the post credit scene of the second movie. I just think that Will Poulter is just a very dynamic actor. He's just a, spectacular actor in my opinion if you've seen him in detroit and stuff like that and i just felt like he wasn't put to use in that character and hopefully we see a lot more of what his range is in the future um high evolutionary was played to perfection 
Um, I had a bit of an issue with the fact that he wasn't necessarily um, that we didn't really understand his goals, that he just was a psychopath. And I did want a little bit more depth to him, but I, I feel that James Gunn did the right thing, which was focus on the characters that were that we fell in love with over the past years and develop them and give them more time. They're more of a it's more of a guardian story than a villain story. And, and I get that. Um, but yeah, overall, I ended up tough war in the movie because after two viewings, I can't wait to see it again. Yeah, they never uh, with with his character. I, you know, I'm fine with them not getting it. I, I feel like every villain we get, we have to know everything about. And sometimes it's it. Sometimes I just like to leave it up to up to the imagination. But they never did go with like a comic accurate origin for the character of him being like this, you know, scientist that uh, uh, Herbert Wyndham that uh, wanted to, you know, create a perfect race and a counter earth and all this stuff. They did go with counter earth. They did do that thing, do, do that stuff. And but like they never, you know, really dove into his his uh, Earth origins. They even made it a point in the movie to say, like, you know, oh, I, I visited Earth once. And um, so it, it made it sound like he wasn't even from Earth originally. So, um, Jake, I'm going to go with you next, man. I want you to be able to get in here before every, before we <laughs> completely talk about every moment in this movie before we actually get to the review. Oh, yeah. it's all, Oh, crap. And I just dropped my mic. It's all good. It's all good. Um yeah, I, I've seen this twice. Um, you know, it this movie really just even in two, three days has really marinated so much with me. I think when I first left the theater, I, I thought it was fantastic, but maybe the weakest of the three Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And now, like 48 hours later, I think it's the best of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I think it's possibly the best MCU movie ever made. Um, Tristan said it's the best marvel trilogy i'm almost to the point where i think it is the best trilogy whatsoever i mean i i prefer it over the evil dead trilogy i think i prefer it over the dark knight trilogy i think it might be the best trilogy ever made lord of the rings Um, the original star wars i i prefer it over lord of the rings original star wars is a tough one um just because i don't know and in a group of three movies, I, I don't know. I'll have to marinate longer, but it's it's in the conversation <laughs> for me. Godfather? I'm kidding. Um, oh, it's definitely better. Godfather. I know. I know. I, yeah. It's a joke. Yeah. Godfather has Dark Knight Syndrome, where the third one just completely shits the bed. I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Toy Story? Oh, I hate Toy Story 3. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I thought this movie was mostly flawless. Um, I have a one minor complaint that I'm actually going to wait to bring up later in the episode. It's the most Jake complaint ever. And I'll fit it in when we obviously talk about the moment that I want to complain about. But yeah, I just loved this thing. I thought it was the most adult MCU movie ever made. I thought it was the most emotional MCU movie ever made. I feel sorry for parents of kids that are six to 12 that have to have conversations after seeing this movie with their kids. I like if I would have saw that in that age range, that would have this movie would have affected me for the rest of my life. It's like one of those movies like it. It would make me feel like I when I saw Secret of Nim when I was like six years old. Like it was just there was so much heavy stuff going on that I would need like an adult to explain to me. Um, I I also I just watched Quantum Mania for the first time three days before I saw this. 
And it was hard not to compare the visuals from that to this. Like I was actually kind of scared of what the visuals were going to be after seeing Quantum Mania. And I, I was pleasantly surprised that um, I think James Gunn has some say where he's like, yay or nay, whether or not it, you know, passes the muster and Peyton Reed probably does his job and then goes home. You know, it's what it really felt like to me. Um, I thought once again, it was a great soundtrack. Um, I don't, I can't rank the soundtracks yet. I still have a hard time deciding which one's better between one and two. So this, this kind of adds to that mix. I, I don't know. They're all three great. Um, I thought one of the things I really loved about seeing this movie the first time was that the stakes felt so real. It's been a long time since I've seen, especially an MCU movie where there wasn't so much plot armor that I was ever worried for any individual character. And the first time I saw this, honestly, I was worried for everyone. I felt like there was no plot armor. It was almost a white knuckle experience seeing this the first time thinking anything could happen to any of these characters. Um, I was very curious if when I watched it a second time, it would lessen the impact of the movie on me once that kind of feeling was gone. But it, it did not at all. I think I liked it even more the second time once I was able to like put that behind me. But I still really appreciate how tense I was during that first viewing. It was just kind of a special no plot armor. What the fuck is going to happen feeling that I haven't had for a very long time. Um, I thought it was the best acting from nearly all the characters in this movie, um, maybe besides Gamora, but I don't really consider that the the actor's fault. I think Infinity War and Endgame kind of made it hard for, you know, Gunn to give her as good of closure as the rest. But, you know, that being said, I still very much enjoyed the character and her interactions with Peter. I agree that I'm glad they didn't take the safe route and put them back together and make it super easy. Um you know, I'll run through the characters really fast. I rock it as advertised. You know, he's the heart of the movie. I didn't think it was possible. I could adore this character more than I already did. Um, the flat flashbacks were gut wrenching, but added an emotional weight that really serviced both the character and the actual plot of this movie. Um, I don't know if there's supporting characters that I've loved quicker than uh, Lila, Teeth, and Floor. I mean, just instant love for those characters. I thought Groot was brilliant. Um, the audience understanding the language reveal at the end was was so fantastic, but it makes me even more mad that they broke the rule in the first movie. It's it's still one of my big complaints. Like that was so beautiful that they never should have had the we are group moment in the first movie. Like I wish we could George Lucas get rid of that at this point now because it, it kind of takes a little bit away from this. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I think in maybe I'm wrong. I have to go back and watch the first one again. But I think when he says we are Groot, he actually says that. And that's why the Guardians maybe react the way that they do. And in this one, he actually says, I am Groot. But we as the audience are understanding it as I love you guys because they don't react. No, you're you're 100 percent correct. That's 100 percent the read I have. But I, I think it's more fun that he doesn't know any other words whatsoever to really like let the audience know that we can now hear what he's saying i just that moment is so silly to me in the first movie it's actually my least favorite moment in all three movies it that was, we let Groot say we it well I, this is not i also want to throw this monkey wrench in there it's not the same Groot. so that, that's true that, that's a great point that this Groot hasn't made that mistake ever <laughs> so this I like, yeah I like that Groot's that. dead yeah that, that yeah. died for his sin of saying another word besides i am <laughs> <or Groot. laughs> um 
I thought Nebula, of course, was fantastic. Um, maybe my second favorite character in this franchise now. I love what they did with her this time. Uh, seeing her smile made my whole body flush after knowing like the torture she's been through. And uh, I just thought that stuff was so great. Uh, Drax was one of the most adorable characters in the team. This movie uh, connecting that character back to being a father was so fucking damn heartwarming. Um, Mantis was great as part of the team. And once again, paired with Drax, uh, she might've been the funniest character this time for me. I, I, her chemistry with Drax is so good. And anytime she does like the deep voice, angry stuff, it just cracks me up so fucking much. Um, I thought the star Lord writing and acting was excellent addressing how tough it's been for him, you know, with the audience perception of him making such a huge mistake in the Russo movies was well played by James Gunn. And I love how he handled that stuff. Um, I loved that him, you know, bottling up that he needed family closure, but so much that he didn't even know that's what he needed. I thought that plot line was so well done. Um, I was really surprised at how much I related with that through line. I thought the Star Lord stuff was just brilliant. Um, Kraglin and Cosmos, they were a ton of fun, but they were probably the most predictable characters in the whole movie between knowing Kraglin was going to get the arrow down by the end of the movie, knowing Cosmo was going to be a good dog by the end of the movie. It was still enjoyable and I still liked the payoff, but those were probably the two most predictable storylines going on in the movie. Uh, they were fine though. They didn't distract. Um, high evolutionary, one of the best villains in the MCU, honestly, at this point, maybe the most evil, you know, unlike you guys have touched on this too, but unlike a Thanos or a Magneto, I, I don't imagine we'll ever see a high evolutionary was right merchandise that people are buying. I don't think that'll ever be a thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the performance was so good. I wanted to reach into the screen and punch this character in the face when he started like mock crying in front of Rocket when Rocket was experiencing like his pain. Um, and, and I actually really dug the Adam Warlock stuff. I thought the choice to make him a giant himbo was really interesting and a bold choice. I, they did a good job quickly establishing him as a powerhouse, but still not mature enough in growth and life to be quite intelligent yet. Um, I thought Gunn did a nice job starting the character, giving him a lot of room to grow for other writers in the future, if that's what they decide to do. I, I, I thought it was an it was a bold, interesting take that, and you guys touched on this too. His hand was kind of forced. He, he had to do something a little bit different because they'd kind of parsed out a lot of what was going on with his character to other characters already. And, um, I like this. I, I, I thought they did a, a pretty good job with it. Um, yeah, I, this movie, man, one of the best movies I've ever fucking seen. I honestly, I'm going to give this movie a Pyrex. It's my new invented rating above a Tupperware. <laughs> No, that's uh, that, 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 no, I, I'm just saying that is, I'm, we're not doing that. No, it's a tough it's a t- I'm gonna, this movie was so good. I'm going to break the PCL radio system. No, I, I'm here to say that that's not a thing. Uh, it, it is, it is still, that Pyrex has an asterisk, asterisk next to it. Um, it, and it equals a Tupperware. So there you go. There you have it. <laughs> I'm shutting that down right now. <laughs> That's all. I mean, I can. My notes are extensive. I could go on forever. I, I will shut the fuck up now and pass it on to Kay. I, yeah, this movie meant everything to me. I didn't think they could close out the trilogy as well as they did. I, I thought it was impossible. You really didn't have faith in James Gunn to do this, right? I don't know. I think I've just been a little bit sour at the whole superhero scene for a few months yeah i i 
I no, I get it. I I had faith that James Gunn would be able to put together a movie here. I did have somebody on Twitter ask me. I forget who it was. They were like, you know, you, you know, because I said I, I put out there online that, you know, I, I that I, I enjoyed the movie, that I liked it. And they asked me, like, has this restored your faith in the MCU with like you not being like the <laughs> no. biggest fan of like maybe like the last few movies that have come out? And I said, this is this is one movie by James Gunn, who I who I think is great. And it, you know, it it not 100 percent ties into the to the multiverse saga. And it uh Basically, and, and James Gunn is leaving. He's going. He's the head of Warner Brothers. This is his swan song. This is his last dance with the with the MCU. And so, no, it does not restore my faith uh, going forward. It just restore. It just. I guess it just like solidified my stance that James Gunn is a fantastic director. Is all it did. I have I have that in my notes as well, Brian. In fact, I, I wrote down that I need to take back what I said on a previous episode of PCL when I said James Gunn was the wrong person to write and direct a super. Man, this this movie actually convinced me the exact opposite that he's the perfect man to write and direct a Superman movie. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's going to prove a lot of naysayers wrong. Did you see that Fire James Gunn was was trending on Twitter today, Jake? Oh, the Snyder people do not like James Gunn. Yeah, it's they do been, not. It's been pretty heated on Twitter uh, today. He, he's a fucking enemy. So yeah, let's they hear. Do realize that he would have to fire himself, right? Well, the only person that could fire him would be Zaslav, and Zaslav, Zaslav. Zaslav's not doing that. So, <laughs> yeah, um, no, yeah, not until he wastes a bunch of money, at least. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's uh, let's hear from uh, Kay. Kay, what did you think about Guardians? Uh, I think it's a Tupperware as well. Um, I've seen it twice now. I saw it on Friday and Sunday, and I definitely cried a lot more the second time than the first. Um, mostly because you knew what was going to come for Lila and Teefs and Flora and that just broke my heart it really mm. did Every, it's like I just have to think about them and I start tearing up so it's like <laughs> I'm going to move on from that scene um, it was the, the way the way that they were changed from their original animal form is very body horror which is not that usual it, it kind of like harps back to James Gunn's Slither which is a bit body horror as well so you don't normally get that much sentiment with body horror. Um, I thought, I thought it was the fitting end to the trilogy. I thought it was done really well. Um, I'm trying to find flaws, <laughs> but I can't really find too many. Uh, I do think Adam Wallet was underused, but as you guys have all said, it's a, it is what it is. You can't really. There's only so much room for maneuver. Otherwise, you end up with a movie four hours long, which you know. Uh, we would have ruined the pacing, I think. Um, I love that uh, we get to understand Groot speak at the end. Like, we've spent enough time with the Guardians, so therefore we can understand Groot, uh, which I thought was a really nice little touch. Um, the, all, the, all the cameos are wonderful. Um, yeah, it's, it, I think I definitely want to go back and see it again in 3D, just to see all the cosmic stuff um, on, a, on a different scale. Uh, I yeah. think I think you'll love the uh, the hallway scene in 3D is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I really want to see that one in 3D very very much. <laughs> and and another thing about the I, yeah I do want to talk about the hallway scene after we after we talk after we talk to Greg I want to talk about the hallway scene. But um, yeah, any any final thoughts, Kay? Um, I 
it's like lot, the second time around, there was just lots of little things that I noticed. One, one that stood out was um, when the abelisks were about to burst through, that Groot goes full Wolverine. <laughs> he goes with the full claws and the full pose of Wolverine. So I thought that was a nice little little nod to X-Men going on in there too. <laughs> Shit, I missed that. I totally missed that. I'll have to go back and watch that. It's like literally Is that Kaiju Groot? No, that was on Counter-Earth. She's okay. talking about when the, ab- the abolists break through. It's like they get startled, and Groot yeah. immediately does like the Wolverine pose with the long, the long, long claws and everything. So, <laughs> Greg, let's hear from uh, Handy Greg. So I was here, you know, a couple months ago talking about Quantumania, and I talked about the fact that it kind of left me at an all-time low in terms of my enthusiasm for the MCU. This film left me at an all-time high for my enthusiasm for the DCU because of James Gunn going. Um, But a couple of things just about this movie in general. I was so glad, personally, that they never said the word multiverse in this freaking movie. It was so great to have a deeply personal conflict that did have stakes, but at the end of the day was about sort of character. And didn't involve convergences and different versions of this and that. And it, I, it was just really nice to have a break from the multiverse stuff. Um, I've always been sort of a Captain America guy, but I'm Rocket may be my second favorite character in the MCU at this point, just because of how much they rounded him out. And a lot has been said about the high evolutionary I don't know that I've ever hated a villain as much as I hated High Evolutionary. I don't know if I'm ready to say he's the best Marvel villain because I kind of want to let this movie simmer. But I will say he's unquestionably the most hated villain we've seen in the MCU so far. 30 whatever movies we've seen so far. Um, A couple of thoughts on Adam Warlock. I I grew up a big Adam Warlock fan. I was introduced to him in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline in the early 90s. And I kind of... I had a little bit of initial disappointment that the take was so different, but as I kind of saw where they were going with him, it does feel like an introduction to the character to me that could go in some interesting directions. And, you know, think about, you know, Warlock potentially interacting with the Fantastic Four and the Silver Surfer and a a minute of speculation, if I can, you know, One of the great things about Adam Warlock in the comic books is, you know, different iterations of him. He gains this sort of like cosmic awareness, right? I think they could go some really interesting places if you have somebody with the mind of a child suddenly gain cosmic awareness and potentially remain a hero or become a villain. If you're familiar with his comic history, you have this character called the Magus. So I think there are potentially some very interesting story points they could pick up on. And I'm very happy to exercise some patience with Warlock and see where they take the character from here. Question for you, Greg, uh, with, yeah. him, with him being childlike, do you think mm-hmm. that it would be out of do you think that it would be out of the realm of possibility that he could be the oldest looking member of the Young Avengers? At this point, I would just be so happy to see him anywhere, um, you know, But yeah, I think if they put him in Young Avengers, it's a very interesting take. I mean, it's funny. At this point, there are so many potential characters that could be a Young Avenger. There are probably too many for the movie. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I think we definitely got one uh, introduced in this movie with uh, we'll talk about her later. But Phyla. Sure. 
Yeah. So. so a couple again, I, I just I don't want to echo what everyone else has said, which I think has been right on. But in my opinion, and, you know, this is the Marvel's best trilogy. And again, I can't say this enough. I'm a huge Captain America fan, but Tristan nailed it as a cohesive storyline. This is their crown jewel in terms of trilogies. And I, I hope that Black Panther dethrones it in a, in a few years if they can do that. Um, a couple just these are going to be just a couple of nitpicks if I can. You know, a, a little bit of trailer disappointment. And what I mean by that, I really wish I didn't know that Groot had all those guns hidden in his body. I think that would have been an audience fist pumping moment if we didn't know that Groot was going to have 50 guns in his body. And they also messed they also messed it up, Greg, when uh, Peter hands him the guns and says, you know what to do. Right. They definitely did. Um Drax hitting the girl with the ball. Cute moment in the trailer would have landed better if we didn't know it was going to happen already. You know, other than that, again, I just I I will always adore this trilogy. You know, I say this often when I come on. I forget who it was. somebody mentioned, you know, 12 year old kids. I have an 11 year old and a 13 year old. They freaking loved this movie. My, my kids love this movie. Not only that, they got home. This is how heartfelt this film was. They got home. I'm, I have two beautiful dogs. The first thing we did when we got home is gave our dogs a big hug. What is what a special mm-hmm. thing for a movie to make us feel love for animals that way. So it's it's a very, very special film. And and just kudos to James Gunn for being mm-hmm. able to finish his story. And, and uh, I actually I, I was attacked yeah. by a stray because of this movie. Brian right? <laughs> <laughs> tried to hug a coyote and got mauled. Yeah, this, this is true. Brian I, had I, I yeah, have. I, I think you have a lawsuit the there. I think you should the edit this out. I, I, uh, <laughs> I have to get uh, shots in my stomach once every 30 days now. So, yeah. Uh, so la- last thing I'll say, you know, I, I was going to it's funny because when I was writing my notes for this film, I don't think it was the funniest Guardians movie, and I was perfectly fine with that. I actually think it was appropriate for for me for not being the funniest of the Guardians movies. But my second favorite gag after the F-bomb was Groot saying these increasingly long-winded things by saying, I am Groot. Like he would say, I am Groot, and they would explain it in like a 30-minute sentence. And I just I thought that was a huge kick. So I fucking um, I died when uh, Mantis w- uh, used her powers on that guy to have him have like a man crush on fucking Drax. Oh, my God. I was hoping that that would come back later when he saw that he was being attacked uh, by Nathan Fillion's character. And he'd be like, no, not my Drax. And like, but that never yeah. happened. <laughs> Yeah. What, yeah. So, I don't you know, think our enchantments last that long because Nathan Fillion was like be a cat and sooner or later he wasn't a cat after a while. So I think it's just temporary. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. What, one last thought. And again, just just a little love for the DC fans out there. You know, there, there's there have been a lot of rumors that the feel of James Gunn's Superman movie may borrow from all star Superman, um, the Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely comic from the 2000s. You know, again, it, we're probably getting a young Superman, but if you read that book and just look at the feel of this film, you can definitely see how James Gunn's a very, very good fit for Superman. So I couldn't be more excited to see where the DC universe goes. And I, you know, I grew up a Marvel guy, but James Gunn just hit a home run with this. So definitely a Tupperware for me, too. And by the way, my favorite MCU movie since Endgame, no question. I love Shang-Chi, but I hate the third act. And I'm very much a fan of No Way Home, but to me, this just edges it out by a whisker. 
Man. Um, the Superman, uh, back to Superman real quick. It, I think, you know, I think he's going to do Superman justice. And I, I, and I do feel like a lot of the comedy is going to come from like, if we do get introduced to characters like Jimmy Olsen and things like that, that's where he can, in, he can infuse it with the comedy. Um, Absolutely. Mr. Mixled Plicklick or whatever, yeah, it, you know, I, yeah. mean, I think that he'll go to some crazy places if he wants to. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's open this up for discussion and talk about the movie. I did. You know, I teased the hallway scene. I, I do want to talk about it. it. It was incredible. Every time I every time I watch the hallway scene, uh, I've seen it twice now, but both times I, I continue to know notice new things that are happening in it. Like in the first, the first time I watched it, of course, I'm seeing, you know, Groot, you know, with the stretching the branches and them going and going through. And I I loved how it, you know, went into the one guy's body and then continued to grow and make the guy explode. Uh, Of course, I noticed Gamora with the swords and cutting guys in half and stuff, but I didn't notice until second watch Peter using like those, uh, placing those taser, um, oh, yes. Taser devices on each of these guys strategically and then waiting to like one of the last moments to actually hit the, the, the tase button. And then if you'd been following each character that he'd been dropping them on, you could tell like, you know, when he hits that button, which guys are going to start lighting up and getting electrocuted by the taser switch. And I was just like, man, just some really awesome touches there, you know, like, uh, Nebula when she gets her head snapped back and she's still fighting with her head trying to readjust it. I was just like, this is incredible. Groot on uh, uh, Rocket on Groot's shoulder, you know, bringing us back to Guardians 1 where that was happening. Um, man, it just, just so many great things happening in that hallway scene uh, from beginning to end. I thought it was uh, a great use of uh, seeing the Guardians teamwork. Um <laughs> it's like the perfect swan song movie for this team that we're never going to see together again. Um, any, anything that you guys want to point out in that hallway scene? It was my favorite well, music think, drop of the whole movie. Yeah. Quill put yeah, a teaser think, on the guy's asshole, right? Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure I saw the right thing. Sorry, Kay. <laughs> yeah. I think that the, the planning that would have gone into that was just insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, James Gunn's yeah, already. Every single beat had, would have had to be completely and utterly planned out. Yeah, James Gunn, he did a Q&A yesterday. I've actually got a bunch of uh, questions that he was asked that, I, that we'll go over later that I thought were interesting. But he did talk about how, like, in the future, he would like to release, you know, kind of like the how this was done. And um, he did did say that once he finally got to see it in completion, like how happy he really was at how well it turned out. I loved how uh, Drax throws that guy against the wall and then he just chucks a knife at his knee. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Drax Drax with his classic comic book daggers was awesome. Yeah. 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 I, part of – I mean, again, I'm always open to looking too deeply into these things. But, you know, when I was watching that scene, which was just like – it was like eating candy, you know? I couldn't help but think you have this group that just started out as a complete band of misfits and, you know, assholes. And that's the moment they almost become like this legendary group. You know, you could always almost see in the sort of universe that people tell stories about this amazing sort of last stand that they did in the hall and ultimately came out. okay. but I thought it was an amazing scene. Yeah. And 
it kind of goes to what I was saying earlier about um, him showing the worth of each character. Because if you look at Guardians 2, like Drax is more of a jokester in that movie than anything. I mean, you kind of forget what he's capable of. And also, you know, just the Infinity Saga kind of painted Star-Lord as, as being an idiot. And he definitely proves that he's, you know, he's a smart guy and knows what he's doing throughout this movie. You know, I really loved, I, we're kind of jumping ahead, but I loved how he, you know, used the whole tugging at the heartstrings to get into the computer, you know, and basically just says, you know, I wasn't going to do that shit. You know, it's not going to work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was great. The, that was... uh the character was that her name was Ura, and that was played by Daniela Melkor. Yeah. yeah, from uh, from the Suicide Squad. Yeah, she played Ratcatcher Two. Ratcatcher Two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I seen people complaining. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say. I was just gonna say. I I love seeing Gamora using her sword in that hallway fight because I mean they even like made a comment about it at the beginning of of Guardians Volume Two where where Peter says you know like oh you're using a gun now you usually use a sword and I don't think we see her use a sword at all in that movie and so just seeing her come back to that was dope yeah it kind of like it made you there's a lot of background noise going on guys we got to mute when we're not on yeah, um, I hear it too. um yeah i like it's kind of it kind of separates her character too from like this you know um from the original gamora this is like a this is like the 2014 you know, she's been she had just been running with Thanos and Nebula Gamora, right? It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so she's definitely going to be more back to like her root weapons, which is whenever I think of Gamora from the comics, I always think of her using a sword. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, you said you'd see some you'd seen some. Oh, I've seen I've seen people complaining after I saw it the first time. I saw people complaining that Star-Lord never dons his like mask the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, honestly, I never thought about it until I saw people complaining about it. And then kind of the second time I watched it, I was like, when would have been the most appropriate time to see his mask again? And I guess it would have been this hallway scene. But again, I, I'm not one of the complainers. I didn't need that and never even noticed it until it was directly pointed out to me but it is interesting that not once throughout the entire movie he doesn't you know wear a star lord mask what does yeah. a star lord mask do would it help him breathe in space possibly at the yeah, end yeah it did in the first yeah, it does. when, when yeah. him and gamora get blasted out of that ship yeah and then he's puts it on or he has it on when he saves her and then he puts it on her and so it would have been really nice to actually have that in in the culmination of the third yeah, arc, it would have helped in the third act. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, like, where, are, where we just, mask go? are we just? Are we just? I don't think Star Lord even had his boosters, like the things that help him fly. Right? Yeah, no, I don't, he I, didn't I, have those yeah. either. No, he, he, had had he had to use that hose to like blast himself back. Yeah, I have a suspicion they went to the place that masks go after a star becomes a huge movie star and is in their third movie and gets whatever the fuck they want <laughs> well i mean we with thor how many times did we see thor with his helmet on you know right i can only yeah, th- I can, i'm sure it was more but i only i can only name two times so it's possible he didn't get a chance to grab it from nowhere because they had to rush rocket into the ship and go off so quickly you, you forget when you're packing you know yeah, but he's a just, bad packer. I, I like that theory. Yeah, he's a bad packer. It's just small. It's just small nanotech that like slides over. It's like just have it on you at all times. I mean, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, this he isn't was a critique. Stupidly but... drunk though. He was stupidly drunk when it all went down. So. That's true. That is yeah. true. 
It also explains why, you know, like Drax is wearing a shirt most of the movie because, you know, it's going to save Dave Bautista like four hours in the makeup chair. You know what I mean? I totally get it. Well, I mean, the original movie, his character had the green skin and they found a better way to do it. They changed it to gray because they I think I've heard a couple things. They changed it to the gray because it was easier to apply. And then I've also heard that they changed it to gray because they had too many green characters as as it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I'd heard. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, the beginning of the movie, I absolutely love the nice touch that we get the Marvel logo spinning and, uh, it is filled with only guardians of the galaxy characters throughout it. I, I thought that that was a nice fitting touch for this being like the final, you know, guardians as we know it movie. Um, and, um, I also liked at the beginning of the movie, you know, like when, you know, Peter does get drunk, we get the title card at the beginning of the movie. Like a thing that they've been doing lately is us not getting the title card until like right at the end of the movie, right before they start playing the credits. I don't know if you guys. Yeah. The title cards have been so iconic in all three guardians movies. I, I expected it to make a comeback here. Yeah. So it, it's just like the other Marvel movies as of lately, it's like. We get the title card at the very end of the movie as opposed to like right up here at the top of the film. Um, another thing that I noticed like when when we get the um, uh, when we get the shot of nowhere at the beginning and we see um, the there's new location coordinates for it. So if you watch the first Guardians of the movie, Guardians of the Galaxy movie, it you know, underneath each location, it gives you kind of like these cosmic space coordinates of where they are. Uh, these numbers and those numbers are also kind of like you can try to like um, decode them. They're clues that um, James Gunn has put out there for fans to try to decode. But the coordinates for nowhere in this movie are different from Guardians one. So that kind of was our first clue that uh, nowhere is now like a mobile kind of like Death Star space station now. So I thought that that That's was so sweet that it has that capability now. I I was shocked, dude. It was kind of like, yeah. This, oh, like, no, absolutely. It was, was like, kind of like this, this fucking thing. Yeah. Well, and it was also, you know, like with with, you know, Craglin being like, you know, a ravager at one time and same with Quill. It was just like this giant pirate skull cannon. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a big pirate oh, yeah. ship. It was like a big pirate ship that they could. Oh, yeah. Like that that big gun that comes out of the eye, it totally made me think of the big Shinra gun from Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, mm-hmm. that they just kept extending out further and further. But then, and then it was a really good writing too. That they're like, oh, that was the only shot we had, and so it's like, okay, they only get the one shot, so it's not too OP. But man, if it's used again in future movies, I hope they they're able to come up with more rounds for that thing. I, I wonder, too. And again, I'm, it's just like a little fun speculation. You know, like Peter Quill would have seen Star Wars. Was this his idea to make a Death Star? I don't know. Just a fun idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I loved uh, the over the course of the movie getting the flashbacks of like Rocket's past and, um, um, you know, seeing seeing baby Rocket. And as you're watching that scene, you know, as soon as like the hand starts coming into the cage, all of the all of the different raccoons in there turn their backs they 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 turn their backs on it except for this one raccoon that is curious enough to see what's coming and throughout this entire movie like the high evolutionary is is uh 
at first very impressed with like, you know, um, Rocket's mind and his capabilities. But once Rocket figures out like, you know, he's trying to go through like this evolution process for counter earth and trying to perfect these animals for this planet. And they all turn out violent. We see it with the turtle. And I, I instantly like the rest of the internet. When I first saw it, I thought of the teenage mutant Ninja turtles when I saw that thing. (laughs) But you know, they, they find out that these, these animals, once they go through like this, like through this um, evolution, billions of years of evolution just happen instantly. Um, they find out that they, they turn incredibly violent. And then Rocket is the one that figures out like, oh, it's like this missing protein or something like that that you have to, that you have to use here. And then he's the one who fixes it. Rocket has always kind of been different from the get. And it's, it's one of those things where the high evolutionary is not smart enough to figure it out. Like what makes this one, one, uh, creature so special? Um, and it's the one thing he can't figure out. And it's like we see, even at the beginning that rocket is different from the other raccoons. There's something special about this guy. And I just, I love how, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of like put out there in the movie that, that, that rocket is even at the beginning, he's just not a regular raccoon. There's something special about this little guy. Um, And the CGI in that scene was perfect. I mean, it was hard to tell that those were, were CGI images. They Mm -hmm. looked so real. So realistic. And then also when it zooms in on Baby Rocket's face and then you see it age before your eyes to present day, I thought that that was a really sweet transition. Uh-huh. Some of my like one of my favorite scenes is just seeing like, I mean, they are in these rusted out cages. It looks like the cages haven't been cleaned and but they're still able to find moments of joy and play and dance and laugh and dream and hope. And it's like, it's really fucking beautiful. You think about people that have been, you know, in captivity, you know, prisoners or or anything. And, and, uh, even in the darkest moments, like, you know, you can find a, you can, you can still hope you can still dream. And it was beautiful, man. I, I loved, um, I love floor just how, sweet and innocent she was but you look at her and she's fucking terrifying <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> um yeah i think as well the fact they just call each other friend before they choose their names yeah that yeah there's that bond there and they just say what you know friend is is you know you don't need a name you need to sleep each that you're friends you know it's good yeah and uh rocket's name um his uh designated code is 89P13. When you go back and watch Guardians of the Galaxy and the Nova Corps pull each Guardian up on the screen, it has uh, Rocket listed as 89P13. And then it has like... Wow. Uh-huh. It goes back even that far. And then it shows like, you know, um, you know, I think it says something like, uh, you know, accomplices. And it actually had Lila listed uh, as well as Groot. So she's in the system with him. So, yeah, he's is been. There, is there a better way to get you to hate the villain than Baby Rocket saying it hurts as his first words, oh. though? Oh. Like, the villain isn't even in the scene, and you're like, that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You just want him oh. to die. And then later you see on the when they have the uh, the file and they see what is actually done. We don't see it, but we hear what is going on. It's just oh. well, I, I, I thought it was a... that they should hold him still. And he's like, oh, he won't stop moving. It's like, oh, well, stop it. Stop it. It was a nice touch that uh, Nebula said, like, this is worse than what Thanos did to me. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
I love that dialogue as well. Another nice thing about this movie, like when they when when, you know, I know I'm jumping ahead. Spoilers, guys, you've all seen the movie if you're listening to this. But, you know, when Rocket does come back, when they do get the pass key and they're able to heal him and shit um, and Nebula hears Rocket's voice over the intercom, I've never seen Nebula moved. Like uh, other than like even even with her interactions with Gamora, you know, when they kind of like have their healing moments in the previous movies, I never yeah, saw her man. like emotionally move to where she was like, oh, you know, like almost almost brought to tears. It was it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, you just have to kind of harken back to the fact that she and Rocket were like the last surviving guardians when everyone snapped. So they probably got very close in those five years. Yeah, that's a really, really good point that she would have had a stronger bond with Rocket than anybody else. Um, yeah, we get to find out the uh, the origin of Rocket picking his name as he's sitting on the high evolutionary's lap and he sees the rocket. And then he has he doesn't tell the high evolutionary, but he later tells his friends that he has a dream of like one day getting out there and traveling space together, me and Teefs and Lila and floor. And it was just like, I mean, that didn't happen, but it was also, it's also that happened with the other guardians, you know, him and star Lord and Groot, like they all went out and traveled space together in a, in a rocket. And, uh, Oh, what did you guys think of, um, what did you guys think of the, uh, uh, did we, oh, the, the new ship, did we, we saw the new ship in the, uh, Guardians holiday special, correct? Yeah. The Bowie, the Bowie. I, I think it's my favorite. I love, Oh, like, it's huge. There's so much to it. Yeah. yeah. The way it split off into like three different ships as well. I thought was, was awesome. I just like the, I, I don't know. I just love the look of this thing. Um, you know, the Milano was cool. The Benatar was cool, but I think the Bowie is like the best out of all three. Yeah, I love how with each upgrade, the ship gets bigger and bigger. I bet that looked really cool in 3D, the Bowie. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, the, my favorite shots of the Bowie, Jake, were the uh, – and there weren't many. There were like maybe two or three. It was the POV shots. When you got to oh, – when, yeah. when you're sitting – like it feels like you're sitting in the cockpit and then it kind of like – then it takes off like those were awesome. There was a, you know, uh, there's one or two of those shots when they're out in space. And then there's the one where Gamora's on counter earth and she's starting to fly through like the trees and stuff. Oh my God. Those shots were absolutely incredible. I, it's funny. We, my son, like a week ago, he ended up having surgery. So we let him pick out a Lego and he picks out the freaking Bowie, you know what I mean? Which was not cheap. And you, as a parent, you get this anxiety that your kid picks out a toy that's going to be in a shitty movie or that's going to not have. But I was really proud to have the Lego of the Bowie after this movie. It's a super cool ship. And I love the part when the different pieces of it kind of break out into these little kind of pods. I thought yeah. that was awesome. Yeah, that was cool. I was not expecting that. I don't know if they like showcase that in a previous Guardians anything, but it's the first time I remember seeing it and I thought it was awesome. Um we had heard rumors that like, you know, we'd, we'd seen, um, you know, Peter, you know, crying in the trailer. And I thought that that scene, like a lot of people were thinking like, oh, that's going to be the death of rocket. It'll happen close to the movie. 
I thought that that scene was actually going to happen way sooner. I thought we were going to see that at the beginning when Rocket was was injured by Adam Warlock's attack. Yeah, I was having that same thought when I watched it. Is mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we're going to get this really soon. And then, you know, we got part of it really soon. You get to see like the, the blood dripping thing. But but the actual, yeah, screaming face, I thought for sure, because when we talked about that, I think that that I was guessing it was going to be Mantis because we just had to reveal that it was a sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard that it was I heard the rumor from the leakers online was that Rocket that the movie was basically Rocket gets injured early in the movie. And the only way to get him fixed is to find the high evolutionary. So that leak was already kind of like out there. Um, but uh, I didn't I didn't expect that. I just thought like, oh, OK, we're going to they'll 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 break into whatever Orgo Corp and then get the pass key and then it'll, everything will be fine. I had no idea that it was going to be like this down to the wire kind of like, you know, rocket goes to heaven and and is told like it has turned away at the gates of heaven. You know, you've got a bigger purpose. You got to go back. This may sound like a weird statement, but I actually thought it was a really bold decision not to kill any of the Guardians. Me too. In yeah, the, I like it, though. I also, again, I agree with you, Jake. I celebrate it because, number one, writing an earned happy ending for these characters, in, it might be much harder than actually writing an earned death, as I thought about it. And I really appreciated that. The The other thing, and again, I, I just want to keep an open mind here, you know, uh, Never say never, right? Like there, there are a million reasons why we'll never see this team together again. But I love the fact that maybe it is possible. You know, maybe Zoe's, Zoe Saldana wants to do one more 10 years from now. And maybe Dave Batista wants to do one more 10 years from now. Who knows? But I like the fact that they're still out there and I thought they earned their endings for sure. Yeah, I, I think it was also a, a I think it was also a smart move not to have Star-Lord and Gamora get together at the end. Definitely. But have them be amicable. Mm-hmm. I thought that Absolutely. that was a really, was really the, smart choice. It was a very grown up decision to have the story go in that direction. Yeah. Uh, well, OK. A couple things. Uh, during one of our Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer breakdowns, I said, you know, I said I felt like it. they, they were going to find out that they aren't going to get back together by the end of this thing. But you can also look at it as a way of Zoe Saldana saying she's not coming back. Right. Oh, correct. It works both ways for sure. Yeah. Yep. I also think it leaves it leaves Star Lord and frankly a more interesting place. Yeah. You know. So I'm excited to see where his story goes from here, and I have a, a thought as to where it may go, but um, I think it leaves it. It just kind of leaves him more open ended, which is great. Mm-hmm. I think as well the whole process of them working together has made him realize she isn't the same person. I mean, when she shoots the uh, the lady on the uh, the planet. Is that James Gunn's wife? One that she yes. shoots yes. in the leg. Yeah. Yeah. The scream, the scream she gives him when she gives me like that really hurt. Oh my god, I died laughing. <laughs> really, both really good. It was a really good <laughs> bit. And he's like, this, I think he realized in the art that she isn't the same person, and I think that whole process of working with her has made him realize that too. Yeah, I died laughing both times when she when he, when he allowed his wife to get shot in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> that whole sequence and you know god bless nathan fillion he was just a joy in that role yeah i oh, always so much fun with him <laughs> bitching about the the dumb employee that he has to put up with <laughs> he was hysterical. That was gold. i thought you said something else i love that oh my god 
I thought you said something else. <laughs> oh, and the dude that looks like a carrot. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> the yeah. fucking. I love that their their suits. They look like those little microscopic. I don't even know what they're called. Like dust mites or whatever the fuck they are. Those suits were amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was more organic tech. You know, of course yeah. they're not going to have mechanical high-tech armor it's going to be organic armor it almost looked like some sort of like bone armor or something oh yeah Yeah. it's disturbing looking (laughs) yeah i don't know about i i feel like batista is the kind of guy that would hold a grudge and not come back i smell that too i don't i don't think we'll ever see batista back i think he's he's over it he's been so open in the interviews i don't think that's an act or like him trying to keep any kind of a secret yeah i think he's washing his hands with the mcu um he doesn't need it either karen gillen he's a very good actor and other things so and he's you know it's it's refreshing to have someone that is just very direct about their intention karen gillen she says she's expressed her desire to continue playing nebula uh, Saldana back in April 2023 said uh, Volume 3 would be the last time she portrays Gamora, but hope Marvel would recast her within, quote, the next generation of actors able to incarnate those characters because she wishes for the character to stay. Um, and then, of course, Batista stated that he had not heard any further updates uh, regarding it, uh, feeling Marvel Studios was not very interested Mm, uh, it doesn't say that I, I just don't feel like Batista would come back. I don't think he would come back for anything unless it was going to be under the hand of James Gunn. Um, trying to think of some other things that I wanted to talk about with the movie. Somebody can bring something up while I'm looking here. Uh, which scene is it that Cosmo goes on your left? I can't remember. Does she go on your left at one point? Oh, I don't recall that. I must have missed it if that happened. At the very end, Cosmo says, on your word, Captain. And Rocket says word. That's and charge yeah. forward. I, when you said on your left, I was thinking like that part where she takes those, the, the two parts of the building and then slams that character with them. Like, <laughs> that was awesome. Sandwiches that character, which I thought was awesome. Then we get the good. Oh, well, I guess I'm just going to have to rewatch it to see if I misheard something. Then. <laughs> oh, darn. What a tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the trailer, there's a, a scene where it's just a quick shot where you see the high evolutionary and it's like there's explosions going on all, all around him. And he's like in like a crisscross applesauce meditation type pose. And he's floating down the hallway. Was that actually in the movie? Because I don't recall seeing it, but I remember it from the trailer. I haven't seen those trailers a ton of times. I, yeah, I don't recall that remember seeing it. Yeah, because it's like he's I, sitting with his legs crossed and he's floating. And it, it looks like it's during the scene in the third act where he's in his ship and it's all in flames all around and everything. But yeah, I don't recall I, actually seeing it in the theater. Yeah, Drew, I know exactly what scene you're talking about from the tra- trailer, but I don't think I saw it in the movie. Yeah, they're open themselves up to liability. Some litigious <laughs> asshole is going to be like, I didn't get to see my evolutionary sitting crisscross applesauce floating through fucking I paid carnage. good money to see him sitting that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I pose my action money. You can't, you can't deny that. It's powerful. Joe is sitting that way throughout the entire movie, and then when it didn't happen, he just kind of like dangled his legs like in defeat. 
And then you do an action figure kind of like that Millennium Falcon you can get that it actually hovers above the stand. I want a high evolutionary that does that. Um, let's talk about the, uh, the, the scene where, uh, the high evolutionary basically breaks it down to rocket and says, you know, um, you were smart enough to perfect the process of, um, the, uh, evolution, but you weren't smart enough to realize that you were not going to be a part of it. And so him and his friends are not going to be part of the, of the new counter earth and, uh, saying that he's going to basically take his brain out, use his brain. And um, his friends, Lila, Teefs, and Floor are just going to be killed. Um, I mean... That pissed me off. I mean, that, that's what makes him a great villain, though. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just hate it that they kept referring to Rocket as being imperfect. I'm like, dude, like he's incredibly smart and physically capable. Like, what the hell did they not see? The thing is, the fact that he's... The fact... The fact that he – I think he knows that there's something – it's not his idea of perfect and, 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 and he didn't play a part in it and that's what burns him up. He yeah, correct. Yep. Well, all those it's, perfect it's a, beans on Counter Earth are dead and Rocket's still alive. <laughs> I was actually going to ask that so – and just because I didn't know. Is Counter Earth totally destroyed? Yes. Yeah. At least okay. the surface yeah, okay. is. Yeah, what a heartbreak. Yeah, all I, those. I didn't There's that lovely family like the that meat. helped them as well. You know, you said they have all those lovely families that were actually decent people. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know if it was just that, like, counter New York, or if it was the whole thing that got wiped out. The whole planet got wiped out. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. It was almost like he had stuff buried underground that were like explosives, or just at the push of a button, he could just destroy the entire surface mm-hmm. because yeah. he said the entire planet was going to be raised. But I love I, that. I, oh, sorry, I was just gonna say I really think that the the high evolutionary's obsession with Rocket is it's the whole thing is an affront to his ego that he couldn't figure out how to make this thing happen. Rocket looks at it for ten seconds. It's like, well, here's your problem. Yeah, well, he wants anything anything that is like special with his creations. He wants to be the one to have a hand in it. And the fact that he couldn't figure out what makes Rocket so different and the fact that Rocket was the one that kind of like figured out this protein and all that stuff. It yeah. just it really it knocked him down a peg and he just couldn't live with it. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought the high evolutionaries dialogue was so good. I I thought that dialogue that brian just brought up was so good it was like almost like james gunn was getting ahead of the shitty fan that was going to make that same comment before they could you know oh rocket was smart enough to know this but he wasn't smart enough to know that what the fuck you know and i thought the the dialogue about uh there is no god that's why that's why i'm stepping in was just great dialogue as well i they just gave him such good lines to chew on oh another is no go ahead ahead, brian no go ahead was everyone's crowd going crazy when rocket was lighting up his face at that moment in the flashback yes yes and i thought the reveal of that was maybe the goriest thing we've ever seen in the mcu it's funny there was like an audible gasp when you saw his face at the end there from my crowd yeah that was awesome well and and when star lord's on the radio with him and he's chewing him out one of the things he calls him is a skeletor looking you know so and so in purple no pearl Oh, yeah. Oh, I, no. I, I, the part it's like how did how did Star Lord know that he looked like Skeletor under that rubber face mask? 
begs the question. <laughs> yeah, good guess. I thought, I thought the RoboCop comment was totally that's, on point. I love that. Yeah, that's the one that I loved, <laughs> yeah. Because it definitely looked like Peter Weller's stretched skin behind that, you know, robotics yeah. behind his head. Another uh, One thing I want to touch on here real quick um, before I forget is kind of like that that moment at the end where you get like the um, the that moment with Adam Warlock where they don't they don't try to kill Adam Warlock and and Groot says I am Groot and then Drax interprets and says um, everybody deserves a second chance. It made me think of James Gunn getting back. Uh, uh, this getting back this franchise after being fired from Marvel. Everybody deserves oh, a second chance. I like chance. that. Like it's a, like it's a meta mm-hmm. comment. Mm-hmm. That's how I took it. Yeah. Um. Oh man. Um. Let's talk about. I do want to talk. About, we we kind of touched on Counter Earth, but um. I I loved everything about it. How it felt like late seventies, early eighties, like when you. When you go inside the homes, it just, it really felt like looking at like the wood paneled wall, (laughs) the walls and stuff like that. It just felt like it was being pulled straight out of like late seventies, early eighties. The cheesy family collage photos. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tracks on the couch. It's like, why do they make an oblong then? Hilarious. Every time yeah, I, trying to lay down on that couch. Like, I see you. <laughs> I wondered if that was intentional because it's like, you know, if you grew up at that time, you're talking like the end of the Cold War where at any minute. Yeah, I, I don't know if I realized this as a little kid growing up in the 80s, but, you know, there was like the threat of nuclear annihilation at any minute. And that's what happened to this poor planet, you know. Oh, that's a good. Yeah. And I didn't think yeah. about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Another thing that I just thought was hilarious in this movie was uh, Kraglin using the the arrow to try to hit uh, Adam Warlock. He was trying to have his, <laughs> his, his fucking hero moment. You know, he's like, you know, he's hiding behind that, uh, you know, piece of that wall. And then Arrow goes and flicks him just kind of like a like a gnat bit him on the neck and he swatted it away. It's like, who did that? And Cracklin. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, who threw that at me? It's like, who threw that at me? And then he was like, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and Cracklin's telling the crying woman next to him to shut up. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. <laughs> Oh my god, that shit, that 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 killed me. I thought that that was one of the funnier moments in the movie. Um, the bit with the car door was was my top comedic moment. That was so fucking funny. That was fantastic. That was good. I actually wanted to. I got the audio of Chris Pratt was asked about the uh, the first uh, f bomb in the movie. I want to play this audio. By the way, you say the f word in this movie? Yeah, dude. I've been. Uh, What's going on with? And there's drug dealers in Guardians of the Galaxy. What is going on? You're doing. You're, you're really kind of setting us up to be something we're not. Yes, I do drop the first f bomb. Take that, Samuel Jackson. Was that in the script? No, it was not. It was not scripted. Everyone's been trying to improv f bombs for for ten different years. For ten years, and um, finally one made it in. Usually, when you say when you start dropping f bombs in like an improv. Uh, scenario it's really your indication to the filmmaker that you'd like to move on and uh they actually put it into the film so that's pretty good 
by the way, you. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that that was, uh, I thought it was amazing. I laughed so fucking hard when that happened. Like that whole sequence of like Nebula is this like highly intelligent robot, yet she cannot open a car door from like the 1980s. <laughs> I mean, he's like, all right, you know, he's like, you know, pull the hand, like, uh, open the door. And then like, he's like, push the button. She's trying to push the keyhole and he's like, no. The button underneath the car handle. And she's like, now what do I do? He's like, open the fucking door. And I. (laughs) (laughs) I saw an interview with uh, James Gunn where they asked him about the whole F-bomb thing. And it was very interesting. He said that when he showed the movie to Kevin Feige for the first time, that was the biggest thing he was wondering about was what what Kevin was going to say about it. And then Kevin said nothing. So James Gunn himself had to bring it up. You know, what about that F-bomb? And he said, Kevin Feige said, you know, the Russos tried to put an F-bomb in Endgame. And I told them if they want to do it, they can. But that's going to end up being their legacy. And James Gunn said, you know, Kevin, if you're trying to dissuade me from having this F-bomb, you're doing the exact opposite right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was really cool. He said, Kevin said, you know, if, if you want to do it, you can do it. He said he was very afraid. He said Disney has never told him no on anything. And he thought this was going to be the first time. And he was he was very surprised that Kevin was fine with it if he was fine with it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, uh, during the uh, the Q&A, he was asked. Let me see if I can find this one. Um, that was cool. Are you talking about the Twitter Q&A? Yeah. Um, yeah, he did a uh, Twitter Q&A and I, I pulled some of the more um, interesting uh, questions and answers out that I'm going to go over later. But this one kind of falls into this. He said uh, he was asked, did you have to fight, negotiate hard with Disney to have all of those dark scenes or were they pretty open to your final vision? And James Gunn said no for the first question. He didn't have to fight or negotiate hard with Disney to have all those dark scenes. And for the second question, or were they pretty open to your final vision? He said yes. So, I mean, I know this isn't a dark scene, but it's still a fucking it's an F-bomb in a Disney Marvel movie. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, man, I was surprised to find out that Rocket was voiced by three different actors in the movie. I was curious if Bradley Cooper was doing all the flashback stuff, and it seems that he was not. Yeah, there was a younger actor, a different actor named Noah something that did like the child. uh, And then Sean Gunn himself did the, uh, you know, past the child before with the Rocket we know. Well, well, yeah. And well, he did all the uh, he did all the voice work. The mocap. And it, yeah. yeah, he did them. Well, he did the mocap. But like, even when they were filming the, the first movie, he did before Bradley Cooper recorded his lines. He did the lines for Rocket. Yes. Yes. So do you think that uh, I mean, with do you think that they're going to have to re not recast Bradley Cooper as Rocket? But do you think they're going to have to recast an actor? Uh, to do the mocap for Rocket. Do you think that he's going to have to find, like, Sean Gunn's going to have to find, like, an apprentice to kind of, like, teach somebody else? Kind of like what we saw with, uh, you know, uh, Chewbacca with the, them getting, like, that, uh, that new actor to play Chewbacca for, like, the action scenes that we saw. I could see it going either way. I honestly, I honestly could see Sean Gunn still coming back even without James Gunn being there. It's he not has, like he's he has got ta- the busiest schedule. He has, t- but he's talked about the physical toll it's taken on his body now that he's older, having to crouch down and do that. He, I, I don't know if he's wanting to come back and do the mocap anymore, man. Mm, I okay. 
it'd be easy enough to recast. I mean, he said, you know, it, it was it was he was complaining about that in volume two about like, oh, my gosh, like this. It's hard. You know, if you watch him do the mocap on it, he's walking around squatting and he's like, you know, and think about like the long filming days that they have. I mean, he just says it really takes a toll on his body doing that. So I think that they might be going with like a younger actor to do that. And he might just be playing crackling going forward. It does make me wonder, though, like who's going to take on the Guardians anytime soon? You know, I mean, I could see them showing up in an Avengers movie as side characters, but it. it I don't know. Part of me is like, is it going to be, you know, five years plus until we see a movie with the title Guardians in it? Hopefully. Yeah, I think they'd need to let it sit for a little bit before they do anything else with it. And I'm curious if in that point, if they do it, will they call it volume four? Are they going to call it some other title that maybe has just Guardians in the title? Right. Like the new I don't think they're going to call it Volume 4. I can't imagine them calling it Volume 4. No. Yeah. Like, you yeah. think they will call it Volume 4. I, I actually I actually think the opposite. I, I don't think they'll call it Volume 4 because like, I felt like this, was like this was James Gunn's trilogy. And if you call it Volume 4, it's almost like a continuation of what he had set forth. And I, Exactly. So I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, James Gunn is the only one that got to use numbers in the entire MCU, too. I, I just not, no, that's not true. That, right? That's not, that's not true. Iron Man. Oh, Iron Man, gotcha. Um, he was the only ones that ha- had volume in it, though. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Setting himself apart that way. Yeah. Aside from excellence, setting himself apart, you know. WandaVision, volume one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, Can we break? <laughs> there he is. There's my guy. <laughs> Woo! Oh. God. Can we break? Yes, Jake. We we can break. We'll be right back. Hey, how are you? First, I want you to know that I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when I'm not impregnating my housekeeper, I like to buy t-shirts on popcultureleftovers.com or you can buy a PCO mug or stickers or even a skateboard deck you can even buy a PCO bath mat listen to this imagine getting out of your shower if you have your balls out or your vagina and they're fully exposed and you're hovering just mere feet over the PCO majestic logo hovering like a chopper and just like a chopper you should get to popcultureleftovers.com and click on the threadless link or you can head directly over to popcultureleftovers.threadless.com and buy a shirt come on do it now do it buy a shirt I'm here I'm right here all right, we are back. I want to talk about a couple things before we dive into the uh, mid credit scene and the post credit scene. First thing I want to talk about is, uh, man, uh, we had uh, one brutal death in this movie. And it was like the like, I guess it was like one of the head, you know, scientists at uh, Orgo Corp. The, the guy who Peter Quill, like when they're at the top of that uh, of uh, the uh, high evolutionaries uh, flying base or whatever, like, oh, deal. Yeah, yeah recorder teal. teal. Yeah, he, he uh, Peter Quill like tackles him, and 
Did Peter Quill have a plan when he did that? Or did he just say he was just like he just saw fucking red like you. You were one of the guys that, you know, that fucked with my friend. You operated on my friend. You put him through like these horrific experiments. Did he just see red and tackle this guy and jump? Did he have a plan? Was there a plan in place for Groot to grow wings? <laughs> I, yeah, I would like to think that beforehand he knew that Groot would be able to turn into a glider. Did he have a plan when he was trying when he when when they were trying to rip the glove off of Thanos, though, Joe? That, no, he he didn't. But that's I'm, I'm going on by James Gunn. Yeah, but I'm going off of like, I don't. OK, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, he does mention the glove ripping earlier on when he's explaining yeah. their history. He does go, and I lost. I saw red and nearly destroyed the universe. So at least he admitted to it. Maybe he did have a plan. I don't know. I, I just felt like he's been so angry about, like, you know, he's calling Rocket his best friend, and he's... That Second maybe, best friend. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Drax. <laughs> um, that, that joke was awesome. Um, I laughed every time that uh, Batista landed that one. Um, but, uh, I, I, yeah, I wondered if it was like if, if it was planned. Because we know that, you know, he planned to have the guns kind of like embedded into Groot's body. But I wondered if it was planned that Groot was going to grow the wings. Like I knew that the winged Groot was going to happen in the movie. That was something that was kind of leaked with the uh, the toys. Um, we had seen the, the toy of uh, winged Groot. But, um, yeah, I wondered. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Do you think do you think he had a plan or do you think that that was just out of pure blind rage? I, think I don't think he had a rage. plan. One at a time. Yeah. Tristan. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't think he had a plan because if you look at Groot, he kind of hesitates for a little bit before he jumps after him. <laughs> like he's like shocked that he did it himself. OK. Yeah. I could see it being a little bit of both, maybe. I guess Greg is now K. Okay, K. Thank you, Kay. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear. <laughs> I will be quiet and, now. Kay, you, you, I, I didn't I, know I, you I, could I, do a, a Greg impression. That was amazing. Went for it. <laughs> no, go ahead, Kay. I think he just went for it. It's kind of that thing like when you when you jump, he probably felt like if he jumped out and landed on the dude, he probably wouldn't hurt him quite as much, you know? I yeah. think that was like the vague idea that was probably going on for that one. But yes, I don't think it was. I, I, I think it was a plan. It's like, oh, I land on him, it will be fine, you know. I, from that, <laughs> from that height. Yes, exactly. That's where the blind rage comes in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the the we kind of touched on it earlier, but Rocket almost dying, and um, Rocket starts to flatline and. And Gamora is saying, like, it's over and, and, and Quill will not give up. I kept thinking about that scene in the abyss. Yes, <laughs> it made me think of the abyss. And there's also quite a few scenes in Lost like that, too, mm-hmm. where, where it's the, I refuse to stop giving CPR. <laughs> and so Rocket is like getting right. He's in some version of the afterlife here and he's met by uh, Lila and we see teeth and floor in the background and. Lila basically uh, tells him that his story is not um, over. And um, she also alludes to a higher intelligence that has been guiding Rocket for his entire life. Um, As far as we know, like in the MCU, um, there is we know we've seen uh, we've seen 
statues and and we actually saw we saw eternity but we've seen other statues um well we've seen the watcher in person but we've seen statues of death infinity uh eon and the living tribunal and the only one that is above the living tribunal is uh, a character called uh the one above all and so there's theories that maybe Rocket has been guided by the one above all. But the theory that I really like and that a theory that I think would tie uh, Rocket into the multiversal saga is that he's been guided by a variant of Kang. And that var- variant would be um, uh, He Who Remains. And um, He Who Remains controlled the, sec- the sacred timeline. And um, basically that uh, even though... Uh, he who remains died. He always says that, like you know, these things they end. It, it ends the same way, and it, it just starts over again. And maybe even though he who remains died, Rocket could still be destined to help repair the multiversal timeline situation. I just hope it has nothing to do with this multiverse bullshit. No, 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 no. I I mean, (laughs) I listen, if this movie itself had nothing to do with it, but if it's planting seeds for the multiversal saga, you really have a problem with Rocket being the one one of the people that's that's going to be a part of the solution going forward. I don't know. I, I. you talked about how he's like your second favorite character now. I know, but just and I'm like just so multiverse saga fatigued. But that's me personally. Like whenever I hear about timelines and Kang right now, I'm like, Ugh, I'm doing a podcast me. on the MCU, and I'm doing a podcast on like the future of the MCU and how this could possibly tie into the future. Um, I'm just I'm I'm looking for. I understand the fatigue. I think we're all fatigued with the multiversal shit. <laughs> I agree with you, Ryan, too. 100%, though. <laughs> I, I think that's a smart, subtle way to do it. And I, I do want to see Rocket show up at the, you know, climax of the multiverse saga. And I think that's – if that ends up being the theory that's correct, I think that's a very smart way to still tie this movie into the multiverse saga without beating anyone over the head with it, without requiring anyone to watch any further movies. I actually – wouldn't mind that at all. I think that's a very smart way to do it. I mean, it's definitely the most subtle and smartest way they've done it yet. If that ends up being what happens. I mean, we find out how brilliant rocket is in this movie. We knew he was brilliant before he can fix anything. He, I mean, he's, he's very intelligent, but this movie kind of shows us how, how intelligent he can be when put to the test. And I mean, even in like, you know, in, in end game, you know, you know, Scott Lang, like the, uh, the guy least uh, that you would pick that that would be be part of that solution, like pulls through for the team and and um, and 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 helps them to defeat Thanos um, and, and restore things. And I think like, you know, I, one of the least likely characters that you would think that would be like a big integral part of like, you know, fixing these timelines and, and the multiverse would be Rocket. And I think like if this movie can find a way and I don't think it's a de- it, 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 I don't think that like if Rocket does play a part in the multiversal saga, a big part in like helping that story along and being a solution to that story. It's not at a detriment to this movie. This movie stands alone on its own. 
Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Absolutely. And how can you how can you have secret wars without having these characters show up again? If like the whole like if what we're saying is like every character possible is going to be in this movie, like these seem like these are locks right here. This new team of guardians. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree that they that they would show up somewhere in that uh, whether it be in the King Dynasty or Secret Wars. So yeah, people are talking about Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider showing up. That's not a fucking lock. What's a lock is this team of Guardians of Galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And and Rocket is the one that we have the most connection with, and so it does make sense that that if he's going to be integral to that story, or if anybody in the Guardians is going to be integral to that next end game of the story then it should be rocket i I was curious and if brian do you not want to jump ahead to the second post-credit scene yet oh we haven't even talked about the first we didn't even talk about the first one okay because there's another character i think might i'm curious if they will have a play based on where they end up but we can wait to get there um i mean so i do i don't think it's a throwaway line where lila was talking about there is a like a like a higher intellectual being that has been guiding him, um, this higher intelligence guiding Rocket for his entire life. I think that I think that we might find out that Rocket has kind of like a connection with maybe a Kang variant. That he's important, like is anyone all right moving on um, maybe maybe gun does just i bring that up i bring that up and greg just wants to talk about marvel fatigue and then it's like, no no <laughs> i'm sorry I, I i i didn't mean to take wind out of the air out of the air out of the balloon there i mean no yeah i agree that greg definitely fucked up that really good conversation that you created there i i'm definitely on that side um you know maybe gun we don't bring up religion and i'm I, i'm not being saying anything negative at all but gun is a christian or a, a catholic and maybe he just purely meant it in that sense. I mean, it's always possible. I don't yeah. think so, though. I'm more lean towards what Brian's saying, where that line is going to come back somehow in a future movie. But at the end of the day, it could just be Gunn putting his own religious beliefs into the movie. Well, I mean, we, we saw some version of like heaven here. And, it's, and I'm, I'm not saying like it's the only version because the, we have seen, uh, you know, Valhalla. We have seen um, like uh, the, uh, the astral plane, the astral plane and the, the afterlife and moon night that that uh, Sandy. Well, I can't remember what these places are called, all of them. But and then even in um, uh, what's the what's the place in Wakanda where the. Uh, uh, ancestral planes. ancestral planes yeah um you know so we have seen different versions of heaven this is just i, I feel like another version um I th- i'm not sure it's heaven per se i think it's more of a meeting point yeah I, I'm, in the background you can see the cages i'm so saying I'm, I'm saying remin- a, it's, it's very reminiscent of the harry potter train station scene yeah i'm saying a version of heaven i'm not saying like this is like the classic christianity version of heaven that we're seeing here i'm not saying that at all because like um I don't want to make that claim, but I, I think it's like a version of some sort of heaven. So, yeah, I just think because they said I, they were flying and things like that in the sky and you didn't really see sky in that. So that's why I just felt like maybe it was more of like a a limbo meeting point because yeah, I, Rocket wasn't quite dead yet. I got that same King's Cross vibe that you did from from Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Uh, I definitely got the warm fuzzies when uh, Lila and Rocket did the nuzzies, though. Oh, that was that so was cute. Oh, definitely. Very that sweet. was so sweet. Let's um, 
Let's talk about the mid credit scene now. Uh, we get a mid credit scene. We see a group of new guardians here. Uh, Rocket, um, Cosmo, Kraglin, uh, Adam Warlock, um, Blurp, that little furry creature that has been hanging out with uh, Adam Warlock. <laughs> And then we're talking about, uh, we see like a, what we think is like a big boulder that they're leaning up against, but it's actually, uh, full Groot, which I think is like possibly the alpha Groot that Vin Diesel teased years ago. Yeah, it's dope. The King Groot. Yeah, King Groot, King Groot or Alpha Groot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Looked like he had a crown, so I'm going for King. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, then, uh, the newest, one of the other new members is, uh, one of those, uh, kids, uh, one of the kids that was, uh, being created by the high evolutionary, his new, like perfect race, which lived off of 30 calories a day and only needed like an hour of sleep or some shit. Um, this is a uh, Phyla Vel. We'll talk about her in a moment, but, uh, I do have the audio for that clip. This, the audio is not great, but we'll play it anyway. I gotta go with the man. Girl Brooks. The carpenters do not have a single bad song. Adrian Ballou, Solo, and his work with King Crimson. What about you, Captain? Oh, this one's kind of special. Of course, the audio gets cut off there because they're playing the music. Let's turn this off. Anyway, uh, so they're going over like uh, some of their favorite music, and then we see them uh, take on, they're helping a group of people that can't defend themselves against basically like these wild alien animals. And, um, and, uh, rockets, the new captain of the guardians of the galaxy here. So this is kind of teasing the new team. Uh, Kraglin act basically says like, you know, Hey, you know, if you guys want to sit this one out, I can handle it myself. So he is perfected. He has mastered that arrow and they're like, ah, oh, we can get it done quicker as a team. Oh, my God. The teamwork in this movie. I, one of the things that I was not expecting with uh, going back to the main movie again is when Rocket was fighting the high evolutionary at the end. I was really it really hit me emotionally that the rest of the team all got a, a good hit in on the high evolutionary that they all yeah, got. That to, was excellent. It, that made me feel good. Like it was like, you know, like. You're not doing this on your own. This is a family affair. We're going to fuck this guy up together as a family. <laughs> like, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I was shocked that they killed the one, you know, the, that Theo dude, but they did not kill the high evolutionary at the end. They let him. Yeah, live. I was. I thought that that was kind of surprising, too. I thought for sure that they would have to, because otherwise he's just going to keep holding on and he can re rebuild, regroup and come back and be a threat again in the future. You can make the excuse that the ship's blowing up, but I can also make the excuse if you don't see a body. <laughs> then they're not dead, yeah. for sure. Right. Especially in superhero fare. Yeah. It made, it made me wonder, like, do they know what they have? Do they know what they have? Did they under, did they kind of get as they were making this film that he's a really pretty awesome villain and just say, hey, let's not totally take him off the shelf just yet. I'm just curious. Oh, man. I mean... It would I'd have mixed feelings about seeing him again because I, I feel like he had such a good introduction and death in this movie that it would be hard to see them top it again in the future. Mm. And and really, I just I dislike the character so much that I, I don't want to see him back, even though I think the performance was good enough that 
in the right hands, it could be good. But I think James Gunn wrapped this character up so nicely in this single film that that we shouldn't see him again. I think as well by leaving him there, he suffers in a way that maybe they wanted him to suffer for what he did to Rocket. It reminded me of like the end of Return of the Jedi uh, when they take off the helmet. But in this one, it's not like father and son, like hug it out. He just like leaves him there to fucking die and blow up on the on the Death Star, you know, like. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so we see this new group and uh, you can see the new character, uh, Phylavel. She uh, she is one of the, the race that the high evolutionary had created. And, um, but now she's got, uh, we can kind of see her, one of her eyes, her right eye is glowing like a, a, a blue and she's got like, uh, energy, uh, coming out of her hands. And, uh, I got this from the MCU wiki. So this is all from the official MCU wiki. Phyla Bell is one of the star children genetically engineered by the high evolutionary being rescued by the guardians of the galaxy. Phyla Vell joined a new lineup of the Guardians led by Rocket Raccoon. Um, artificially enhanced physiology. Phyla is part of the Star Children. Uh, Phyla possesses um, physical abilities that are above any normal human being and is also capable of manipulating cosmic energy. Uh, enhanced stamina. Uh, she has cosmic energy manipulation. She can manipulate cosmic energy to create spheres of purple energy around her fists. Um, and then in her com in the, the comic book origin for the character, she's actually a, and I don't know if they're going to be pulling this into the MCU origin for the character, but she's actually a hybrid of Kree and Titan. So basically they took Titan DNA. So Thanos was a Titan. Um, and so they took Titan DNA. They mixed that with the blood from the original captain, uh, Marvel, Marvel and created, um, and so we might find out that that's how the high evolutionary uh, created that the, that group of children. They might have uh, Titan DNA or Cree DNA. I definitely think with the way that she has this energy manipulation, the way that her eyes were glowing, that she does kind of pull from like a cosmic radiation power. Feels very Cree. It feels very Captain Marvel. Feels very cosmic. So she might have ties. To the Marvels, Monica Rambeau, Carol Danvers, Kamala Khan. I wouldn't even be surprised to see her maybe cameo at the end of that movie. Um, setting up uh, future stories. I mean, she might even team up with Kamala Khan in season two of Ms. Marvel. They could they could really do anything with this. Um Philavelle at one time in the comics took on the mantle of Captain Marvel, then became known as Quasar before eventually adopting the title of Martyr. And um, yeah, I don't, I, we didn't spend a lot of time with the character, but uh, I, I was not expecting her to be a part of the team at the end. So that was a bit of a, a bit of a surprise. But I could also see this character popping up on the Young Avengers, possibly. Oh, the age. I range think that is, would be. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm go sorry. ahead. I think it would be smart to uh, to do what you're what you're saying, Brian, to either put her maybe in a season two of Ms. Marvel or have her show up in the Marvels. I mean, because this is the character of the new team that we have the least connection to. So to give us a reason to be excited for this character showing up later in an event movie besides just what we get at the end of Guardians three, I think would be a smart play. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe I'm also- Maybe Rocket, you know, with the ship drops her off on on Earth to find out more about, like, you know, her Kree heritage. And I don't know. And she spends some time with the Marvels. I can see him keeping the Kree stuff, but changing up the blend with the Titan stuff. That's what my gut tells me. Sure. I could also see a neat relationship with Warlock, too, given that they're both essentially kids. That could be an interesting gag in the future. Yeah, as long as he doesn't have a crush on her. I don't want things That'd to be creepy. Yeah, that would be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is a character that I've heard the name a handful of times, but I've never read a comic with her in it. And so I'm, I'm really not that familiar with her. I didn't even know who it was until reading stuff after watching the movie. Like, oh, that's who that was. But I think as soon as you put, you know, manipulation of cosmic energy into something, it does slot really well in with the Marvels. And with her being the same... I mean, she's probably a little bit younger than Kamala Khan, but it it would it seems like those two would pair together pretty naturally. Well, I mean, what we're going to see is kind of like I think we're going to see like a lot of like hero worship and admiration in the Marvels and her being kind of like an apprentice underneath Carol in this movie. But it would be also interesting to see her take on that leader role in the second season of Ms. Marvel and have an apprentice under her. You know, I think that that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jake, I think, uh, what you said about, uh, us not spending any time with this character and being able to spend more time with the character, like in a fleshed out series, it makes sense to slot her into something with, uh, with Kamala Khan or even in the Marvel in the Marvel's movie. I can't see her having a big, big part, but I could definitely see her popping up somewhere in Ms. Marvel season two. Yeah, because otherwise, who gives a fuck when she shows back up, at least for the general audience? It makes me wonder, like, when are we going to see, like, Thor's daughter again in something, you know? And uh, Marvel will probably cast another actor in that role because they always do that when a character ages a little bit. We saw that (laughs) with, you know, Cassie Lang. That's Chris Hemsworth's real daughter, too, right? Yeah, it is. So that'd be so awkward if they recast that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe they wouldn't because they didn't recast Hawkeye's kids and those. But those kids don't have big roles in the movies. No. (laughs) Can I say something about Quantum Mania and then never bring it up again for the rest of my life? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I maybe I'm an idiot, but I did not until three or four days ago realize that the word Ant-Man was in the word Quantum Mania. You're not an idiot. I didn't get that either until the credits when they showed that it was in the title. And I went, oh, my God. That's exactly the moment I realized it, too, when they faded away the other letters and Ant-Man was in there perfectly. I'm like, what the fuck? The moment I realized it was right now. Yeah, same. <laughs> and, and I just like sketched out Quantumania with my finger in dust. And I was like, hey, what do you know? I still haven't looked, Joe, and I'm taking their word for it. <laughs> wild, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I feel better now. I thought I was just like really slow to that train. I think that's basically been the highlight of this podcast that I should put in the show notes to skip to this moment. And people it's definitely the <laughs> highlight of Quantumania. 
People people don't need to listen to For the rest sure. of this pod. It's just that like, oh, if you want a mind blowing revelation, skip to hour one hour and 45 minutes into the podcast. It's not even about Guardians. It's not 3. even about Guardians 3. It's about <laughs> it's just about the spelling of quantum mania. <laughs> this revelation will blow your dick off. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the the post credit scene here. It's uh, we we get the long awaited uh, Peter Quill reconnecting with his uh, grandfather Jason, and uh, I want to play the audio from that. Man, she needs help more and more. I'll do it, but I kind of feel like her son should help. He's gonna sit on the porch and watch me do it. Like a 45 year old man, able bodied, and I'm mowing his lawn. It just feels weird. Don't get me started. Oh, really? I kind of want to know. Yeah, so basically it's uh, Peter Quill and he's eating a uh, bowl of uh, cereal and uh, they're sitting at the table at the breakfast table. And uh, uh, he's talking about he's talking about his uh, what is it that uh, Jason's with that woman and she's got a 45 year old son. And uh, he I guess Peter feels like why why is why you know, why is he not mowing the lawn? (laughs) You know, he's able-bodied, 45, and and uh, I love his <laughs> his grandfather's like, got the same train of thought. He's like, don't get me started. But it's like, it's not like he's going to bring it up because that's going to start an argument. And I was just like, I was loving the dynamic between those two uh, in that moment. Uh, Peter's also wearing a, a T-shirt um, that says Freakies, which was also a brand of cereal that came out uh, back in the seventies, that was like, I think it was only on the shelves for a few years. The only reason I know that is because I listened to a Kevin Smith podcast where he was talking about a book. It was called like the big book of like cereal. And it was like, it, it chronicles every type of cereal made from like one date to another day. It's like this big encyclopedia of cereals. And, and Kevin was talking about how he never ate freakies and always wanted to eat freakies. And so, um, that was an interesting anecdote, wasn't it? Um, (laughs) (laughs) that went over like a fart, but, um, (laughs) I thought it was cool though that he was eating what looked like a sh- like a sugary Saturday morning cartoon type cereal. Like it makes sense again if he's plucked off of Earth in the late '80s that that's what he would be eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it just felt like such a real moment, and and yeah. and to me, it was like a great way to leave the movie because Quill's going off to to try and reconnect with this grandfather, and to me, that seemed like in just that little scene of just showing a little slice of their life together that, that that reconnection has happened because they're having such a real moment They're They're having breakfast together. The grandfather's reading the paper quills, eating cereal, like he's a little kid and, you know, talking about doing chores, but as an adult and then bringing in the comedy of, you know, why isn't her own son over there doing it? It just felt like such a real moment to me. It was a beautiful way to leave it. Did everyone see what was on the paper, by the way? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, the uh, Bacon. Kevin Bacon alien abduction. Yeah, that was yeah. great. Yeah, from the holiday special. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, it says then it says like the legendary Star Lord 
will return. There was a comic series published back in 2014, 2015. It was 12 issues called The Legendary Star-Lord. Um, and it was the uh, series where Star-Lord was uh, doing his own solo adventures. I think that that might be the name of the next movie or series that we get with him. But my pitch, I think before they do that, I think this scene was so fun for such a quick scene. I think it was so fun that my pitch would be for uh, a, a four to six episode Disney Plus series where, you know, Star-Lord comes back and 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 uh, becomes a reality TV star. <laughs> and, Dude, there could be a lot of comedy in that. And they film it like reality television like the whole thing that we're watching is reality tv so we get to see like a guy who is basically like they give us like the whole backstory of like how and we get to see like funny reenactments of the ravagers taking peter in like an unsolved mystery style you know uh (laughs) footage and then we jump into the main show which is just seeing how this guy who has lived out in cosmic space is adjusting to his life on earth. And they have like the confession scenes where, you know, you know, we get to see the day to day, but then we also get to see like, you know, Peter's thoughts on like this 45 year old guy that's not doing chores. And like, we get to get the confessionals with, you know, Jason, his grandfather and shit. I, I just think that that show would be, very funny and a way to bridge us into like the action series with Star Lord going forward. That would be my pitch. I like that a I mean, lot. Chris I, I like comes from. Doing, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I, was, I like the idea of doing confessionals from people observing him as well, too. Like the guy that serves him coffee, like his thoughts on like how out of time this guy is and stuff like that, too. I, that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> he, he says he's a guardian of the galaxy, but I've never heard of them. Nobody I know has heard of them. Yeah, exactly. Like that <laughs> this kind of guy's thing. crazy. <laughs> yeah, when you mentioned that, I, I immediately thought of Chris Pratt coming from Parks and Rec, which is basically a fake reality show. You know, it has the confessionals and everything. They could yep. have they could have guest stars like you know Kevin Bacon shows up to the house you know stuff like that I think it would be <laughs> I think it would be a blast man but of course I do want to see like more action with Star Lord going forward in the future but I think that that would be a fun Disney Plus series and you know so they got to uh, do yeah. something different because it's going to get stale if they keep doing the same same old well plus you know they want to have these Disney Plus shows but it's hard. You know, they're also trying to manage their expenses. So something like a sitcom that just happens to have Star-Lord in it could you could see that working pretty well. You know, they don't have to spend a ton of money on it. I I want it filmed like a legit reality show. Like it just feels like you're watching one of these, you know, reality shows. I want it to have that feel, you know, even even down to like the graphics popping up on the screen. Like if you were to watch a reality show. Like there's no fourth wall breaking moments. Like this is what you would be watching if this was a real show. <laughs> yeah, Here, the entire actually, budget will go to Chris Pratt. <laughs> yeah, I, I was curious about, and this was sort of my my own theory. Are they putting Chris Pratt and Star Lord on the table to possibly be an Avenger for Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars? Because again, it's just all about box office bang and. 
you know, he really wasn't a big part of the last two Avengers movies. So I, I'm just curious. Like, yeah, I've heard the rumors that it's Tom Holland's sort of movie, but are they also putting Chris Pratt in the mix potentially? That's Tom- a good. That's a good point because he's now Earth based and exactly. solo. Um, yeah. yeah, I could see that. And he's a big him. star. Yeah. Do we have a director for Secret Wars yet? Isn't it Daniel Diston Cretton? Oh, no, not Secret Wars. I'm he, sorry. He's, he's doing the King Dynasty. Dynasty, yeah. Yeah, no, Secret Wars we no. don't have yet. No. Okay. I've been. I've still been hearing Peyton Reed's name being. God, no. After that. <laughs> no, he lost that job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who knows how much is going to be impacted by the writer's strike now as well. That's, that's going to yeah, mess very some true. things up too. So. Yeah, Possible recasting true. and all that. Um, let's see here. I do want to James, we'll finish on this. James Gunn did. I just want to go over some of the more interesting things that James Gunn was uh, answering on. It was basically a lot of yes and no's from James Gunn, but he was on Twitter, uh, yesterday doing a Q and a, um, I thought this was a fun question. Does rocket care so much about prosthetic limbs? Cause it reminds him of Lila floor and teeths. And James Gunn said complicated by sort of. Oh, that's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, he was asked, will any cast member for Guardians of the Galaxy be in Superman Legacy? And he said, yes, which I think is like the dumbest question ever because Rooker and <laughs> Phil- Rooker and yeah. Fillion are in every movie. Me and Michelle laughed about this, too. I said, it'll be Sean Gunn. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, has I, gra- do, I do wonder if Rooker will be Lex Luthor, though. Mm, no, no chance. No chance. No. Yeah. Zero chance. Yeah. Well, I wonder how it'll shake down with his regulars because um, Sean Gunn played Calendar Man in the Suicide Squad and Rooker played Savant. But I mean, you know, nothing that a little bit of different makeup can solve. But I mean, technically, they have already been in the DC universe. Well, so is Fillion as other like an alien creature in Guardians 1. And then he was the... Um, Wonder Man posters in uh, volume two. So yep. they can. Yeah, and then he was what arms fall off boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the suicide squad. Yeah. Um, has grandpa Quill heard about Peter's world saving adventures already? James Gunn said, no. Um, he was asked, I saw you mentioned Annihilus as a possible villain for volume three. Was he also going to be a candidate for rockets creator? And James Gunn said, Yes. Um, he was also asked, is there a bit, is there a super big, deeply hidden Easter egg like the first one? And James Gunn said, yes. Uh, will there be a making of later on? I need to know how that hallway scene was filmed. And James Gunn said, yes. Uh, have you had conversations with Marvel about their plans for the guardians now that you're done? James Gunn said, yes. Uh, does Peter Quill's grandfather know about ego? And James Gunn said, no, I happen to think like, you know, these are questions maybe they, they'll want to answer in a future series or movie. I think it would be better. I mean, they named the grandfather Jason. Yeah. Like Jason. So yeah. I mean, that's like a little nod to the original comics, right? Exactly. A hundred percent. It's also Peter Quill's middle name. Uh, did you have to fight, negotiate hard? Oh, I went over that one earlier. Um, he was asked. In general, did you do everything you wanted with Guardians of the Galaxy? And he said yes. So that's the last thing I that's have cool. there. But yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. I, it was yeah. interesting. I read an interesting, 
on the whole, like he doesn't know that Star Lord had that history. You know, in in Ant Man, we saw that like he has an audio book out that talks about the fact that Rocket Raccoon exists. You know, but I guess it makes sense because Star Lord just appeared at that big battle that Ant Man wouldn't necessarily know enough about Star Lord to talk about him. You know. So like they might know that Rocket exists, but not necessarily Star Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to go back to the uh. Annihilus question. You know, on paper, I prefer Annihilus to High Evolutionary as far as reading comic books go. But I think the right choice was made here. I think it would have been really hard to have Annihilus, who kind of looks like a robotic insect, carry the emotional villain weight that they did with high evolutionary. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, we, uh, back before, you know, gun was fired, there was, I mean, there was rumors that, uh, that, um, Mark Hamill was going to be in the movie. You know, they had their Twitter exchanges. And then do you remember Jake when, um, James Gunn uh, teased a little bit of volume three and he and he posted a picture of an old Quasar VCR with the wood veneer on it. I do. I do. We all got super Quasar hype for a minute. Yeah, we thought we might be seeing Quasar in this movie. So definitely things changed. And I, I do want to point out that I think don't quote me on this, but I feel like I've read somewhere that James Gunn did tweet that he originally had planned to kill Rocket, but changed his mind. Mm. Ah, glad he changed his mind. Um, do Do you think that that Quasar picture could have been a, a reference to Phi Lavelle being in the end? I think it originally was Quasar, and I think it turned into Phi Lavelle. Gotcha. Yeah, they probably want to use Quasar differently. Well, I think at with, the end of the day, yeah i th- I think with Quasar having connections to like the Negabands and things like that, that with the Marvels doing what they're doing, that maybe it wouldn't have worked in this movie. I agree. That character is so tied to those Negabands. Like Warlock, it doesn't necessarily have to have an Infinity Gem in, in his forehead to be able to pull it off. But I feel like Quasar, it's just a completely different character when you're getting rid of the Negabands. Yeah, they need those. I mean, the Nega bands are going to be a big part of like um, of uh, the Mar- uh, the Marvels movie. I would I would imagine that you know. Yeah. So, but uh, that is all I have for this episode. Um, uh, I guess any final thoughts before we wrap things up? You ju- for just having seen the movie once and having it had such a profound effect on me. I can't wait to see where where my overall ratings are going to shake down after, you know, I own this movie and, I, and I've watched all three of them in a row and stuff. But from just a preliminary watch so far, man, this movie ranks so high for me. And it's it, it does make me really excited to see what he's going to do with that uh, new Superman movie he's working on. And then just the DC in general, because what a fantastic MCU swan song for him to go out on. I definitely feel like I have to see it again, too, Joe. I, so I'm a one time viewer and I hope I hope the movie benefits from people seeing it multiple times. You know, and I, I haven't had this feeling with a Marvel film in a while. Yeah, I think I've been convinced by Brian to see it in 3D now. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Same. same here. I definitely want to go back for 3D. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I want to just say that um, it gave me a really 
great appreciation for James Gunn. Not that I didn't have one before, but you got to keep in mind, I remember reviewing Suicide Squad with you guys like a couple years ago. And in that time, he made this movie, um, also created this incredible TV series. And it's just like, it's like this guy just has an arsenal of just competence in this, in this arena. And it's amazing what he's accomplished. And I look forward to seeing what he's going to do. I think the DCU is in probably the best hands it can be in. Well, another nice thing is the fact that any of his movies for the DCU aren't affected by the writer's strike. You know, it's like he's going to be writing these movies and directing these movies. So, good point. But he's still part of the guild, right? So, does yeah. he have to? If he's in the guild, he 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 can't officially do anything. Really? God damn it! Oh, no yeah, that's like crossing the line. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Damn it! I didn't think of that. God damn it! I was <laughs> Dude, I think I think he does. That- Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just saying, I think James Gunn does really well as a director because he loves film. The um, the brightly colored suits, as he corrected someone on, on Twitter, was they're referencing 2001. Yeah. Not Among Us. I mean, he, he loves film in general as a, as a, as a fanboy. <laughs> so, of course, it, it's, it, it reflects. He just loves the media. He loves the, the content. He loves the superheroes. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of other directors pick up the films because it's Marvel. It's a good sort of like tick in their book that they've done a superhero movie, but I think he genuinely just loves the IP, you know? Yeah. It makes you like, you know, like uh, I think some of the best directors out there are guys that just like pay homage to other movies and like love film. Like you look at, you know, Quentin Tarantino started out working at a, you know, loved movies, loved film, worked at a fucking video store and pays homage to a lot of the old spaghetti Westerns and, uh, things like that in his movies. And it's, 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 uh, it's awesome when, a when, a I think it, it also takes like a, like an extreme level of intelligence, <laughs> you know, <laughs> from some of these directors and writers to do what they do. And, but, um, it's, it's I think he brings though. up a good point too, that it's such a passion project for James Gunn. I don't, I don't know if there's anywhere else in the MCU movie, good or bad, where the director was so passionate to make the film with those characters before getting the job. Yeah. And then that makes it, a big difference. It did make me wonder, you know, did this movie benefit from maybe Marvel just letting James Gunn do his thing in the same way that maybe that hurt Love and Thunder in some sense? A hundred percent. Yeah. I was just kind of curious. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. How's this movie doing in the box office? Better than estimated. I think it's looking at 118 now, but they were saying like 100 at one point. Uh, Worldwide is 282 million right now. Domestic's 114. Okay. And that is according to Box Office Mojo. Should have some good legs, too. I think so. I think the word of mouth around this is going to be really, really strong. I do hope Marvel's smart and waits a good 90 days to put this on Disney plus though. Yeah. If they do 45 days, they're shooting themselves in the foot because I mean, the Mario movie is still going bonkers at the box office right now. So I think guardians three would have a lot of legs. Yeah. I think they're smart enough. They were smart enough to do it with quantum mania, right? That took 90 days before you still can't watch it on Disney plus. No, it's there, isn't it? Yeah. I know it's available on digital and digital waited the two. You have to pay 25 bucks still. Trust me. I I haven't, I haven't been looking to, to watch that movie again. (laughs) So it's kind of sad. Like I, yeah. 
<laughs> I thought it was, and I was like specifically just being like, eh, who cares? <laughs> Uh, right now, the Rotten Tomatoes score for Volume Three is eighty-one percent for the critics, uh, certified fresh, and ninety-five percent for the audience. Um, you know, and I took some time to read some of the negative reviews after seeing the film too. I try not to read until after I've seen it. I just, I, I guess, you know, I've been watching these comic book movies for. 25 years and this is like the seventh time that critics have collectively decided that it's time for this whole genre to move on <laughs> and part of me just hopes they realize we don't have movie theaters anymore without this genre so i get I, like that 20 percent. i totally get like not every movie is going to be for everybody but just sort of being negative on this film because you're tired of marvel movies it's it's unfortunate it's true. It's uh, yeah, they kept theaters alive. Maverick kept theaters alive, you know, so uh, Spider-Man and Tom Cruise are the only reason why we still have movie theaters. James Cameron, That's it. James Cameron, Avatar 2. And James Cameron. Yeah, I know people don't want to give him the credit, but it's true. Um, but uh, I'm looking at uh, Quantumania for the first time and it does have the words Ant-Man in it. <laughs> fucked up right i know and then i Mind also blown. it also made so me think gonna... it also made me think of the title for uh remember when sony was doing a bunch of like had ideas for crazy spin-off movies and they were going to do the ant may movie it should have been called ant mania <laughs> <laughs> and that's the joke i'm going out on all right everybody <laughs> <laughs> the three Aunt Mays teaming up from across the multiverse. <laughs> oh gosh! Oh shit! They better hurry up with that. Isn't that one? <laughs> is, is, yeah, like isn't is that old lady still with us, Jake? She is. I think, she is I think Ro Rosemary Harris is dead. She's I, long dead. I'm yeah. asking. Yeah, I don't know. But maybe a little Doctor Strange spell, and she could be right back. There you go. Uh, we can do that. We can <laughs> do that. Zombie May. We can yes. do that thing where they bring back what? Who is the actor that they brought back in Rogue One? The Tarkin guy. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Oh, Moff Peter Tarkin. Cushing? I, yeah, yes. there you go. Yeah, Fishing. we can Tarkin her in uh, in that movie. Oh, that gave me the chills. Talk to her. Yeah, it, was, it was not cool. Talk to the family estate and see if we can bring back Rosemary Harris for that Aunt Mania. Both have her sipping movie. tea in the background throughout the entire movie because that's the B roll that they have for her. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even remember who Aunt May was in the Garfield stuff. Right? It's um. Sally Field. Sally Field. Yes. Yeah. Sally Field. Okay. Yeah, she's yeah. still she's still around. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's wrap this fucker up. I want to thank our guest uh, Tristan. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a great time discussing another James Gunn masterpiece. And uh, of course, Joe, you're here all the time now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I guess I, I didn't even mean to say your name, but here we are. I know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, of course, Kay joining us from New Zealand. Thank you, Kay. No, thank you for having me. It's always great fun. Absolutely. Uh, handy Greg. Thanks for having me. And uh, anybody else? Jake, do you want to say thanks for having me? You're going to say something different. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. This has been a great time. I'm going to give this experience a Pyrex. There is no there. Guys, I want to repeat. There is no Pyrex rating. 
<laughs> Jake taking goes away for five months and comes back with a new rating. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm coming back with a new. I'm taking some liberties on this one, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I, I've broken the system, and I will be back on this podcast for Guardians Part Four. I'll see you guys later. Yeah, <laughs> Brian, your Brian, your podcast literally outlasted the brand of Tupperware. You should be very proud of that. I know. I've been seeing articles about Tupperware going away. Not officially yeah. yet, right? They're definitely on life support. I mm. think it's all fake news. They're trying to increase the sales of Tupperware. It's like the Twinkies thing. No, it's like it's like uh, it's like vinyl records coming back. Like all the fucking you know, uh, uh, you know, they're trying to get the you're trying to get Gen Z into Tupperware now. You know, the hipsters. Yeah, I don't believe it for a yeah. second. <laughs> All right, that's it. We're, all right, we'll we'll see you next week. We'll be back with a a regular episode, and until next week, we're putting a Pyrex on lid it. on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations! I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, "I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap." Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Love it, hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.